Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Punani woman, it's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. We sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Locking you blesses me. Blocking you blesses me. Blocking you blesses me. I gave you a little something there. I couldn't give you the whole thing. You get me? Couldn't give you the whole thing because my trot, my trot is really arting me. My trot is really arting me. Um, I'm currently in Rotterdam because um, I gave a keynote speech today about um, owning anger. And I'll be heading home tomorrow, which is Sunday. I'm recording this on a Saturday, which is rather early for me, um, which means obviously I would not, I don't get to watch uh, the Italian Grand Prix at Monza because, yeah, it's just busy. The time I would leave here and the time that the race is on, I just wouldn't get to record in time. And I know that if I don't have that recording out on Monday, people are going to start moving mad. So I just thought, you know what, let me do a, let me do something. Let me do a quick thing on um, a Saturday. And I love this because I don't have to rush. I mean, actually, it, I did want to go back to the event because there was going to be some really amazing talks. And um, there were these guys, um, I think they're called something bastards. Um, that's the name of their brand, black guys that make amazing chicken wings. And they were there at the event making chicken wings. And I said to myself, I'm going to go back and get some chicken wings. But the moment I got in, I was just like, no, I am exhausted because I've been back to the Netherlands twice within the space of a week. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really tired. Um, talk less of the fuckery that was happening online as well, which we'll get into later on. Um, yeah, I just thought, don't force the ting, get inside your bed. And at the end of the day, um, Vapiano is downstairs. So um, if anything, I'll go downstairs in a bit and go and get that instead. But it will not rival those um, chicken wings because they were banging. They were banging. Um, and, you know, really big up to Hip Hop House for um, having me come through and Beyond the Beat and Lilith Magazine. Um, Tasha, who was like the MC for the day, and um, Clarice, who was the person that um, interviewed me um, for the Q&A. It was really amazing. And I do this thing where I don't write down what I'm going to say. Sounds mad, sounds mad, but I don't. I just pray a lot beforehand and I just ask to be as clear a vessel as possible so I can deliver the message that needs to be delivered. And I'm always in awe of how I just feel so held um, and divinely held when I stand on the stage and I say what I need to say and I know that I will not falter, that I will say what needs to be said. Um, and this weekend was, you know, that bit harder to get the prayer to be as clear a vessel as possible because, you know, I had to clear away those bad vibes that you guys were talking about, cunts. Um, so 
yeah, so um, it f- felt a bit more challenging. But when I got on the stage, it was amazing. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just really, really thankful that Jupiter is really, really Jupitering when it comes to me. And, um, you know, my 12th house things um, are really activated. The 11th house things are really activated. Um, yeah, I'm just really out here, you know. Um, and it's it's been brilliant. It's really, really been brilliant. But I am ready to rest now. Um and so I, I'm sure you can hear the tiredness in my voice. Oh, do you remember the time that I was talking about what happened at Tesco um, when those guys were moving mad? I still don't have an update from Tesco, by the way, but they were moving mad. And I was talking about it on Instagram only for one black woman to message and be like, yeah, your skin and your eyes look tired. Why are you a fucking liar? Why are you a fucking liar? And even if you were truthful, is this the time to tell me that when I was, te- when I'm basically saying that I had to experience this misogynoir, but you're telling anyway anyway sha um yeah that was an interesting um whole ordeal but i'm so blessed i'm so i am blessed i am blessed every day of my life i am blessed when i tap my ponani no that's not how it goes i'm so sorry um but you're thinking like what the fuck am i listening to i don't know who this person is or maybe you do but it is me kalechi in a blood club place to be welcome to another week um another episode of sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what what that's right suck your mum and oh there are lots of straws to go out this week um but yeah, I, I I try to keep the same structure for this episode as usual, but there are quite a lot of things to say. So I might just go in and out of bits. Um, and yeah, and just do that and see where we get to um, with that really. But I think that certain things need to be said and I'm kind of tired of like pussyfooting around things because people keep trying to choose me, forgetting that I'm the wrong one to choose, or maybe I'm the right one. Who knows? Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a bit. I thought that what would be good for us to do uh, would be to start with the um, tarot this week. Um, before we go into the tarot, I just feel like we haven't had the national anthem in a while, the global anthem for all of the SYMers, the straw flingers. So join me in singing, just a baby girl. In a baby world. Yeah. Thank you, baby boys, baby girls, and baby non-binaries for joining me in that anthem. I appreciate you. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's get into the tarot then. And the tarot I did differently this week because usually I just do like one general tarot reading for everybody. Um, but this week, um, Spirit called me to do a tarot reading for those people who kind of come to listen to episodes such as these for Intel um, and to just be mad because there's a message for everybody, like spirit will find you where spirit needs to find you in it. Um, and as always, I just shuffle these cards and I go with what comes out and I've used two different decks actually. Um, so I've got the good vibes deck and the bad vibes um, deck for this occasion. So I did a reading for those who, um, exist in burner accounts, exist in troll accounts, or usually just choose to come out when they think that, yes, this is the day. This is the day. This is the day that we're going to do fuckery. That 
we're going to do Farkry. We will be wrong. We will be wrong and be strong in it and be strong in it. This is the day for our fuckery. We think that we can try Kalechi. This is the day, this is the day that you learn something. Wow. Wow. That was a freestyle and a bl- Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. Grammys, holler at me. I need my Grammy immediately. <gasps> Take it from Justin Bieber's house. I need it immediately. Anyway, let's get into the things then. So for the bad vibes people, you know, which I guess I'm part of, um, I thought, what is, what, what spirit, what does, what message does spirit want for you? Because you show up, you just show up at times like this, like I'm going to go and listen and I'm going to go and misinterpret what she's saying because I hate her. Um, and a reason, a reading for the bad vibes people, um, that, you know, you're welcome to send to them because you all seem to have, well, quite a lot of you seem to have mutuals, you know, we, we, you know, we, we seem to be mutuals with these people. Like somebody will talk mad to me. I'll click on who's following them and there you lot are following them. So, you know, I guess maybe this is a little bit for you as well, because there has to be something in you that keeps meaning that you entertain these people. It can't be just for the sake of art. Oh, you know, we all do art together or we all do this together. or We all film together. There comes a certain point where you just have to be honest and be like, Oh, you know what? I, I kind of like that. They don't like you. It kind of helps me to not be jealous of you or what I perceive you to have. Anyway, so what is the reason I said to spirit, what is, um, no, what is the current energy around me and all of these situations? Why is it that way? What is the outcome of it? The first card we get when we talk about what is the energy around me, we get the five of swords. Now the five of swords in the Afro goddess tarot, um, deck, looks very different. We see a black woman and she's licking um, a sword and it's like she's licking the blood off the sword. But the way that she's licking the edge of the sword means that it's going to cut her tongue as well. And we look at, we also see four people on the horizon that she has stabbed in the back. And I guess that she's licking the um, the blood off that. Um, and they're like four swords um, pushed into the ground. So maybe um, they've all retreated, they've all left their swords and um, they're she's kind of cut them up. So there's, there's many things that I'm seeing here in this. And I'm also seeing lots of green. So there's lots of green, lots of envy in that as well. Looks like there's something um, depicted in her eyes, but I can't quite see it in this deck, how it's drawn. And she's got earrings on that look like Africa, which is, um, you know, the continent, which is interesting as well. And as she's licking the sword, the way that my cards are placed, we see that she's looking at the empress and the empress is pregnant um, in, you know, in this deck and she's got like all the zodiac signs, um, around her head. She's holding her scepter and, um, we've got the sign of Venus and on a stone by her feet and she's uh, and by the water, standing on land, but by the water. Um, and we see like wheat around her as well, ready to be harvested. And so when, without me even telling you the energy that we're getting from this, the energy around this is that some of you really, really want my blood, you understand um, the magic that it holds and you really want my blood and you can't stand that I'm birthing something. I'm birthing a new way of things being. I don't have to be the biggest academic. I don't have to be, you know, the biggest black feminist. I don't have to be any of these things. I don't, I, I'm just me. 
with all of my flaws, with all of my complexities. I'm just me. And I still know that we deserve a world better than this. And I'm just here creating that world from my imagination and doing what I want to do in my immediate life, whether it's Sally in HR, whether it's the podcast, whether it's just like general things, my, my commentary, my tweets, my stories, I'm just doing what I'm doing and creating a life that I want for my son, but you're looking at me with bloodlust, like you're so thirsty to to draw blood from me because you can't just stand. Like, look at you, you got the five of swords, but I'm the empress, fam. Let's put colonialism aside for a teeny second because you all can manage to do that when you're securing your bags and you're taking your MBEs. Um, put colonialism aside for a little second and just understand the, what that means. You are the five of swords, you are a minor arcana um, or minor arcanum, and I am the empress in this situation birthing something new, looking regal with it, and about to harvest that which I have planted over ages. And because that is so frustrating to see, it's like, oh, no, we need to take her out. We need to take her out. And I'm looking at that green again on the five of swords. And there's an element of envy there because you have to live your lives in a way where you constantly lie to yourselves. You constantly lie to yourselves. You constantly minimize yourselves. And it really vexes you that um, some of your brethren's before, I've dragged them up and down and they have met my sword because I'm literally the queen of swords. Like they've met my sword before. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to be the one to take her out. No, no, it's not my blood. In fact, it's your blood that will spill before mine. The blood of my enemies go through. Yeah, that is one of the things that needs to be um, understood. And that's the energy that we're seeing right now, that even with all of this, you know that I'm going to be victorious. You know that there are no two ways about this. So why is this being done? Because some of you, eight of cups in reverse, are refusing to understand that the established notions and the established ways that things have been forever just can't what like they can't wash anymore. They can't um, be they're not sustainable. Right. And you just don't know how to walk away from it because you see me doing something and doing it over in my corner of the world. And because you can't walk away from the systems that you are wholeheartedly, um, you know, um, controlled by and and in love with, even if you call yourself the most radical person, because you're not, none of you are, none of you are, you're all liars, none of you are. You're all still in the system in one way or another. Oh, um, why does she do this? Why does she do that? But what organizations are some of you putting your ass up in? Okay, then. So, um, you know, th- you're not willing to walk away from something that you know as established, even though you know that they'll never fill your cup in that in that place. You want to stay there. Instead of trusting your intuition, you want to stay there. You want to turn your back on the things that could fulfill you um, because that hasn't been done before and you just don't want to take any chances. Um, and what will come of it? Well, we've got the ace of pen no the daughter of pentacles so that's the page of pentacles in reverse and we've got the ten of swords in reverse as well and the way that i'm reading this is that nothing that you want to do is ever going to come to fruition nothing substantial anyway you can do all of the happy to announces that you want to do online but because your soul is so um nasty and so like a just horrible and vile, even when you're doing all of those things, it will never really sit somewhere in your soul that you're truly, truly happy because at night you're upset. At night you are upset 
And that's why we see the Ten of Swords, because you will leave, you will leave this earth, and I'm not even being bad minds, you will leave this earth having achieved nothing, having achieved nothing energetically, and having contributed nothing energetically to making anything better. All you would have done is your, oh, I'm just doing my rigorous critiques and my robust criticisms, but you've done nothing other than cultivate bad vibes. And that's how you'll leave this earth. And you'll have to keep coming back and back and back. But before you leave, you're going to at some point need me and you won't know quite how to approach me because of how you've behaved. And some of you think that you would have done it in the darkness, but spirit will always, will always let me know. And so it's important to note that, that nothing that you do as the page of pentacles, nothing that you try to start, even with relocating, and some of you won't even relocate. You're so in love with the bad vibes of Britain that you will not go anywhere. You know, you will stay there and you are so committed to the mentality of like sufferation that you'll remain in that space. Um, and that's where you'll find yourself. And you're depleting yourself. You can't admit to yourself that you're exhausted by this system. You're exhausted by the way that it treats you. Um, and yeah, I guess that, is, you know, it must suck to be you really, but um, it needed to be said and it needed to be put out there. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I wish you well on the many, many times you're going to have to repeat this um, journey of um, being a human. Pray that you don't come back as an um, icicle um, or a dirty lollipop that fell on the floor, because um, that's also possible. Anyway, for the better vibes people, the people that come every week and they come for just, um, you know, great vibes and they come for um, my likability, um, this one is for you. So the first card that we see is the nine of wands in reverse, um, followed by the knight of wands in reverse. Some of you really need to learn to have boundaries with people that don't have your best interests at heart. Um, the Knight of Wands energy is this the kind of people that I'm getting the vision of like people who text you after the club, what you doing, you up, them kind of messages. Like in the daytime, they're not bothering with you or they're not giving you what you want in the daytime when you're like, oh, maybe we should go for lunch or maybe we should do this. Or you try to hang out a little bit longer than usual after you've been knocking boots. And they're just like, no, 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 um, I've got to do this. You can go. Meanwhile, they are working from home. But obviously, if you're working from home, you probably still need some space. But it's just that energy of like, they just don't want you around. I just want you around. Big tune. Anyway. Um, so you're giving a lot to these people and, or there's the element of like, um, you're not having boundaries with people who say that they want to change, but then when it's time to change, they're not actually doing it. Um, so they're just distracting you by being like, no, 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 I'm serious now. I do want to change. I'm serious now. I'm serious now. And then they just don't change. And that's confirmed by the fact that we've got the six of pentacles, um, that follows the knight of wands in reverse. Like you are giving so much of yourself. You're giving so much. There's a clear emotional imbalance. There's a clear lack of reciprocity when it comes to these dynamics with you or um, around you. And you just don't want to draw the right boundaries. You don't want to say to people, you know what, until you're ready, truly ready to do the work, I am not fucking with you. I mean, I'll be here, 
but I'm just not going to be doing this. I'm not going to be expending my energy doing this thing with you. And some of you are like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going because there's this illusion that you have that, well, maybe one day they'll change. And then, you know, then we'll have this beautiful stuff together. Then everything will be great. Like if I just keep giving to them and just keep giving to them, maybe that will change their attitude. But what if it doesn't? Nobody knows how long they've got. And so do you want to waste your valuable moments in this earthly experience on fuck people? You have to start calling it. You have to start saying that no. And that could be family members. That could be your work uh, place. It could be your romantic situations. But the message coming through is that there is a lack of boundary. There are, you're lacking boundaries with people who say that they're going to do better, but they don't actually do better. And instead of being like, okay, I'm going to stop pouring into them momentarily, you continue to pour even more um, to the detriment of yourself because you're hoping that that will change them. And, you know, that that's something that needs to be considered. And some of you are in like casual relationships, maybe taking a break from a long-term relationship. You're in a casual relationship. And even then you don't quite know how to not give so much. Like you're so used to being in a situation where you give and give and give that even in this casual situation, you're adding an element of seriousness to it because you're giving at the same level as to what you were giving when you were in long-term relationships. And you need to consider how is that working out for you? Is it okay that that's happening? Probably not, because you have to start seeing people for who they are and saying, well, this is what this is. And it wasn't that and it's never going to be that. So I'm drawing the line here. So, yeah, that's that for um, the tarot this week. I pray that it resonates with you. So I'm just going to go ahead and big up one of these uh, this week's show sponsors who are Better Help. This podcast is sponsored by Better Help. How was that? Did that sound good? Oh my God, I sounded sexy. Anyway, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe you're focused on me and you shouldn't really be. You should be minding your business. Um, BetterHelp will help and assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. Uh, The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room and having everyone um, looking upside your head. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change your therapist if you're not feeling them. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a better, happier life today so you can leave me alone. Um, Visit betterhelp.com, that's better, H-E-L-P.com forward slash your mind, that's better, H-E-L-P.com forward slash your mind and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Everyone's loving it. BetterHelp is recruiting more therapists in all of the states of America. Um, so the special offer for the Say Your Mind listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash your mind. So anyway, let's get to share your magnificence. 
So this week on Share Your Magnificence, I've got a couple of letters. I know that there are loads more <clears throat> that I should be getting through, but um, I'll do them um, over the course of the next few weeks. I mean, I really should check if some of them are urgent, but you know, I'll get to them over the next few weeks. Remember that you can send your letters and your voice notes to sym at kelechiokafor.com. That's K-E-L-E-C-H-I-O-K-A-F-O-R.com. Um, that's S-Y-M at kelechiokafor.com. So you can send it there. Um, my voice sounds really tired, but yeah, it's been a wild week, you know, a wild few days, um, 10 days. Yeah. It's just been very wild. Um, anyway, let's get to the first letter. It says here, hi, Kelechi. I'm an avid fan of everything you bless. I wanted to share my nomination for share your magnificence in the hope of bringing more awareness to this incredible organization I work for. 2019 was an atrocious year with the murder of many brothers and sisters, such as Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, alongside the devastating effects of COVID-19 on the black community um, co-founders Fatima, um, Fatima Hagi and Leila Hussein created Safe Spaces for Black Women. That's the title of their organization, Safe Spaces for Black Women. It's an online community providing safe emotional support for the diaspora of Black women, offering free weekly group sessions led by a BACP accredited Black female therapist. Um, in society where In a society where Black women are continually oppressed and ignored, they advocated for change, a place where emotions can be seen and heard. So big up Fatima and Layla, they deserve two slaps on their chest for empowering black women's emotional well-being, give them all of the flowers. Yes, safe spaces for black women have all of your have all of your flowers, definitely definitely i'm just looking at the yeah so if you type it into um your browser it's safe spaces for black women.com so go and show them some love and if you want to join in on those group sessions i'm sure they'll be glad to have you uh thank you for writing in and sending this to me um let's go to the second letter let's see what that's about we just got a letter okay here we go dear Kalechi. first of all i want to say a huge thank you for your podcast i really do believe that you are a gift from god and i'm so grateful for your presence on this planet and that you choose to bless us with your beautiful clear and true voice all your content provides us with much needed respite in these times of such deep fuckery the joyful images and videos you posted of you and your family enjoying the f1 last week was such a balm for my troubled soul the world needs to see more images of dark-skinned black women <laughs> being loved by their husbands and taking delight in their children my own life is a disaster and i'm currently on a two-year nhs waiting list for the trauma treatment I need. I'm so sorry. I hope that you get it soon. Um, my trauma started in childhood with the people I was born to and has continued to this day with them um, joining forces with racist employers and sexual predators. Sometimes I struggle to believe that I will ever experience love, but people like you give me hope. I pray that you experience love, that you experience the most deepest, most um, moving, most transformative type of love. You deserve it. I share. Um, another person who gives me hope and whom I would like to nominate for Share Your Magnificence is uh, Rianne Fatinkun, Fatinkun, um, founder of Black Girls Hike. And their website is um, bghuk.com. 
Uh, I have had the healing experience of enjoying nature and sisterhood with Black Girls Hike on hikes in the home counties and Wales. And I'm looking forward to many more up north and in Scotland. The positive impact of um, these safe space hikes have on my mental health is incredible. Given how vulnerable and isolated I am, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the healing benefits of nature without this safe space group. Rianne is doing so much for the mental health of black women and also challenging stereotypes of where black women belong and what activities we do, uh, deserve to enjoy. Much love to you and yours. Thank you so much for that letter. I think it's beautiful. And it's funny that I chose both letters that are, are to, do to um, do with mental health or um, mental well-being in one way, shape or form. But I just think that is something that we definitely need to talk about like black women can enjoy formula one black women can can enjoy hiking like there are so many things that we do that are wonderful um and yeah we just need to platform that really we need to be able to speak about that um more so thank you two slaps on the chest of rianne for creating black girls hike um keep doing your thing and you guys just keep marching up them hills like you get up there in your boots yes I love it for us love it for you um so that's that for show your magnificence um why don't we get into so you mad the segment where we just look at all the fuckery that's in the world that probably doesn't deserve a straw but it's just really random and I feel like why don't we talk about it so this week on so you mad I saw that dusty crusty people have started moving mad and returning the dogs that they got during lockdown it says here More people are considering giving up their dogs for adoption since coronavirus restrictions were lifted, according to a dog welfare charity. The Dog Trust said it had had seen a 35% increase in calls related to giving up dogs in the last few weeks. It said that people were reconsidering owning a pet as their circumstances changed post-lockdown. The sales of pets in the UK have soared since the start of the pandemic when more people spent time at home. The price of puppies more than doubled during lockdown, with dogs costing almost £1,900, it says here. Wow. On average. Um, the Dogs Trust said it had witnessed a significant spike in pet owners considering adoption um, following the announcement that most COVID measures were being lifted uh, in England on the 19th of July. Um, it said traffic to the giving up your dog pages of their website had increased by more than 180% in July compared to pre-pandemic visits in February 2021. There was also... Um, Okay, pre-pandemic visits in February 2021, or do you mean February 2020? I I don't know what they're saying there. Um, There was also a 100% increase in traffic in July compared to what it had been, what it had seen six months earlier in February. Okay, cool. Um, Owen Sharp, the charity's chief executive, said, Following the boom in pet ownership during the pandemic, which saw millions of us delighting in the companionship of a dog, today's figures have sadly come as no surprise to us. As owners' circumstances change, puppies grow into boisterous teenagers and a country on locks, many owners are being forced to reconsider the place in their lives for their pet. Um, The charity which has launched a national dog survey, a census of dog owners, said it expected to see an increase in the number of dogs it receives in the months to come, describing it as a looming crisis. Um, 
Earlier this year, the Pet Food Manufacturers Association said a total of 3.2 million households in the UK had acquired a pet since the start of the pandemic. Young people were the main drivers of this trend, it said, with more than half of the new owners aged 16 to 34. You raggedy bitches. Um, There are now about 34 million pets in the UK, including 12 million dogs, the association said. The RSPCA previously warned the boom in pet ownership could turn into a crisis for those animals once their owners return to work after lockdown and could no longer give the pe- their pets so much attention. I just think that this is so sad. Like, I'm not necessarily like a pet person, but I, those who are OG listeners remember when I was looking after my best friend's um, dog, Pickle. And, you know, even when it was time to give Pickle back to my best friend, it was so painful. It was so painful. And I know that, you know, circumstances happen and people sometimes, you know, get a pet or get a dog on a whim, but you have to understand that these are beings too. When I'm saying that, and it sounds so hypocritical because cows are beings, sheep are beings, and I'm just eating them, but I'm so sorry, 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 sorry. Um, But I just feel like, I don't know what kind of cognitive dissonance I'm doing. I'm a mess, right? I'm a mess right now. Can't believe I lost you. Lost my best friend, my soulmate. Can't believe it's true. We've been done so much. Sorry, I just love Anthony Hamilton. So any opportunity to sing one of his songs, I will definitely take it. Um, But yeah, I just, it's just so upsetting. It's so, so upsetting. Like you could have even like adopted initially. You didn't need to go, you could have gotten a rescue dog initially, but no, everyone was like, no, I want to fancy this. I want to fancy that. And you're paying all of this money for a dog and then going, oh no, now actually, because I can go and see humans again, man, fuck them dogs. That's not fair. That's not right. I know that there are some people that, you know, because of the circumstances in their life, they feel like I can barely look after myself. So I know I won't be able to look after a dog. So I need to find this dog a new home. And so they find the dog a beautiful home with a new family. And that's that. But these people aren't really doing that. They're just calling an organization. And I understand. I understand that maybe it's like, let me go to a reputable organization and give them the dog. But we all knew that this was going to happen. We knew that the certain things that people were doing during lockdown, they would not be able to keep it going after lockdown. So why do we pretend? Why do we pretend that we don't know these things? And when you're telling people at the time, they're like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And then they go right ahead and do that. It's fucked. It's fucked. And I'm so sad for all of the dogs. And I genuinely mean that. Like, you know, like sometimes I get into this zone and where Saturn is for me right now, it just be playing with my emotions. It just be playing with my emotions. Um, where Saturn is for me right now, it's a lot. So I just feel really, really like emotional looking at the way that so many structures um, can't continue. They're not fair. And it really is hurting. You know, yeah, it's upsetting me and my homegirls, my spiritual own homegirls. My way is upsetting us. This isn't nice. This isn't okay. It's not. I don't like it. I really don't. Um, and here I was talking about chicken wings earlier, as if chickens aren't pets as well. I'm terrible. I'm such bad vibes. I'm such bad vibes. Um, so that's one story. Um, the next So You Mad happens to be this new show that's starring um Usher, Priyanka Chopra, and Julie um, Julianne Hoff. Um, they're set for um a show called The Activist. The Activist. 
Hello, welcome to another episode of The Activist, where we pit the best activists in the world against each other so they can find a way to get the money that they need to get to solve the causes that they need to solve. That was great. My voice has such range, unlike some people. Um... Anyway, it says here, The Activist will be a CBS competition series um, from Global Citizen. Um, it says here, um, after the format... Oh, well, <laughs> let's go from the beginning because they updated, right? The Activist is a competition series that features six inspiring activists teamed with three high-profile public figures working together to bring meaningful change to one of three vitally important world causes, health, education, and environment. Interesting that um, race wasn't there. Um, activists go head to head in challenges to promote their causes with their success measured via online engagement, social metrics, and hosts' input. The three teams have one ultimate goal to create impactful movements that amplify their message, drive action, and advance them to the G20 summit in Rome. Imagine. Um, there will there they will meet with world leaders in the hope of securing funding and awareness for their causes. The team that receives the largest commitment is celebrated as the overall winner at the finale, which will also feature musical performances by some of the world's most passionate artists. Um, the series is produced by Global Citizen, the international education and advocacy organization working to catalyze the movement to end extreme prop and pro poverty that produced the recent Vax Live, a concert to reunite the, reunite the world. Um, yeah, it says here, the activist is the first of its kind competition series that will inspire real change as the series progresses from the United States to Rome for the activist's final challenge at the G20, said Hugh Evans, CEO and co-founder of Global Citizen. You should be called Global Pussy Clarts. Um, the audience will see the activists' passion and commitment for their causes tested as they petition world leaders to take urgent action to resolve the interconnected uh, crises we face. I think that that is the most, one of the most disgusting things I've read of recent years. What do you mean? Imagine we live in a society where instead of these organ um, these corporations purely giving money to um, and supporting, um, you know, these activist groups, they're like, why don't you, um, you know, go head to head? Why don't you battle it out with each other? And then we're going to take you to the G20 summit. And that just goes to show you what a farce the G20 summits and things like that are. It just goes to show you that they're ridiculous because these men can come through and be like, oh, we're going to pitch to you. So basically it's Dragon's Den, but activism. That is sickening to me. You're basing it on online engagement. Is everybody okay? As if activism only happens online. And thus what you're really trying to make it um, into is a likability contest because, you know, you have to be likable to get some things in this life. You make it into that, thus taking away from the true message and the true causes. And I'll be interested to see what these people look like because they're going to be cast you know, of all the organizations of people doing this and doing that, these lot are going to be cast. And already in my head, I see a white blonde girl. I see a white blonde girl crying because she's so passionate about what she's doing. I see so much of this. Priyanka Chopra, hasn't she been moving mad before? And then Jennifer, or what did they say? Her name, Julianne, sorry, Julianne Hoff. She did blackface before, didn't she? 
And then Usher, I mean, I don't even have an explanation for why he's there. I really don't. I don't know why he's there, but you know, people will just do anything. Um, it says here anyway, after the format of the activists drew some blowback on, um, social media, Deadline reached out to Global Citizen for a statement. They said, the activist spotlights individuals who've made it their life's work to change the world for the better, as well as the incredible and often challenging work they do on the ground in their communities. A spokesperson for the group said, there is not a reality show to, this is not a reality show to trivialize activism. On the contrary, our aim is to support activists everywhere, show the ingenuity and dedication that they put into their wider work and amplify their causes to an even wider audience. Um, wow, that is a lot. That is a lot. Um, because even they can't see it. Even they can't see the problem with what they're doing because they're like, oh, well, we're just spreading their message. We're just getting them out there to a wider audience. Or you could just give them money yourself. If you're so concerned, if you're so passionate about what they're doing, you could just give them money yourself. So why wouldn't you just do that? It's very weird. It's a very weird state of affairs. Um, it's a very weird space that we found ourselves. Um, I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's stupid. And I just think that it's interesting the way that corporations absorb the language and the vocabulary um, for change and they play around with it until it no longer has meaning. And this is what we're seeing here. All those terms that were used, all those buzzwords that were put in there to give this thing, um, um, to, to make this thing sound like substantial and to sound robust. But look at the people that you've gathered, all messy individuals and in no way should be doing what they're doing. So activism feels like in the mainstream space, it has lost all meaning. Hence, I don't refer to myself as an activist. But I was talking to Sadiq earlier today and he was just like, well, there needs to be um, there needs to be more boundaries. And it's interesting that I mentioned that in the tarot, there needs to be more boundaries with what you allow for people to project onto you in terms of what your titles and your responsibilities are. And um, and to note that because, yeah, you don't call yourself that, but you've you know, and you've told people not to call you that. But for some people, people are really insistent that, well, what you're doing is this. But you'll say that what I'm doing is that thing. And at the same time, you'll say that I'm shit at it. So what is the truth? It's a really weird space, but I thought, you know what? I saw that and I just thought that is an absolute mess and we're going to call it um, for the mess that it is. I read a thread that said, um, everyone is upset about that activism reality TV show competition, but it seems like the natural end result of everything that's been happening since 2014. Blue Vest doing ads for Doritos, activists with real estate portfolios, activists signing deals with major talent agencies, um, ben Crump has an agent. Sean King has a clothing line. Look at everyone who's hustled a TV slash movie slash book deal out of the uprisings this summer. The genie is out of the bottle. And while I'm just like, you know, and then they wrote, you're actually mad because nobody is keeping a mate and nobody's bothering to maintain the pretense anymore. <clears throat> and while I feel like, yeah, of course, that's a valid critique. Um, I, at the same time, people were commenting and saying, yeah, but activists, as you see them, do not have to die broke, destitute, hungry. They don't. At the same time, there is the question of how far then do you go when you're living more lavish than the people that you're meant to be representing. So this is why I say that the term activism is losing meaning and people have to decide what they're talking about. And this person said 2014. But 
somebody like, I don't know, Bell Hooks has had a real estate, um, real estate portfolio for ages and she explains why. So I don't think there's any issue with having property, but I just don't know. I think it's that a very complex thing, but I don't usually get into like very deep into these conversations because I feel like most times the people who have them are just nasty people. But when they get their arts council funding, they forget who the fuck they are. And that's okay. But everybody else should, you know, stay there. But it is what it is. Um, anyway, I thought that another So You Mad that I wanted to kind of fit in and slide in there is about the fact that um, Anton Deck have won the National Television Awards for Best Presenters, um, t- Best TV Presenters for t- um, the 20th year in a row. So before I talk about what I'm going to talk about in Straw of the Week, I need you to take that in. Anthony and Declan have won Best TV Presenters for the 20th year in a row. So you want to tell me that, oh, it's my bad vibes and likability, likability that, that means that I'm not being seen for certain things. Or would you rather consider what I was telling you the entire time, that the system is a mess. The system is an absolute mess because the system insists on like these people and we're going to keep using these people. These two white men, yet yeah, they're going to be right there um, all of the time. Right here. Be right here with all the fuckery. So there's no reason why these two should be winning that for the 20th year in a row. That's absolutely mad to me. And it's funny the way how everybody glossed over Ant's um, drink driving offence where a little four-year-old girl had to be taken to hospital because of him drinking and driving and being two times over the limit. That happened, what, around 2018 and he was banned for, what, 15, 18 months or something? Now, I believe that alcohol abuse is something that people do need compassion and um, care for while they're dealing with that. Um, And I don't feel like you should then be like vilified for it. At the same time, I know that if it was a black woman who had been in the same situation that Ant was in, she would never smell TV again. She would never smell TV presenting again. And even if by some stroke of luck, she she was allowed to be on TV again, she sure as hell would not be winning TV presenter of the year for the 20th year in a row. Heck, for the second year in a row, that would not be happening. So again, like I'm saying, people don't like to be honest and they don't like to pay attention to what's really, really being said because they are committed to, no, this is what I feel that you've said and this is what I want you to have said and that is what I'm running with. The system is a mess because it doesn't have to say only these people can come in and if we're taking this person in, then one person has to be kicked out. And that's how some of you tell on yourselves because you start tweeting up a storm talking about, oh, well, if this person was going to be brought in, who should have been kicked out in their place? Nobody, you stupid motherfucker nobody should have been kicked out that is the point um but yeah that's that for so you mad um let me pick up the second of this week's show sponsors who are skillshare and i'll be right back so creativity goes beyond just looking wild online and saying and doing wild things because every human was born to create whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or when you were in primary school you can explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. So Skillshare are always, like I'm always telling you, they're always updating their class list and the things that you can take part in and the courses that you can um, join. 
I know that there's one that um, is um, the ultimate self-care playbook, discover and nurture your centered self with Jonathan Van Ness. That's interesting. That's an interesting title. Um, so yeah, like there are various things that you can check out. Um, I mainly look at the music stuff and the guitar type of stuff, although I haven't been able to practice recently, but it's great because you can always pick it up when you're ready to do that again. So whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you're creative. Discover what you can make with classes for every skill level. Experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to in-person pricey classes. Most people just want to stay at home now after experiencing staying at home. They just want to do that um, a lot more. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com forward slash straws and get a one month free trial of premium membership. So go to Skillshare.com forward slash straws for one month of a premium membership and um, yeah, get your life, skillshare.com forward slash straws and go and do something creative. All right, let's get to start your motors. So this week in start your motors, as I said, I'm not um, going to be um, watching the race when it's live because I'll be traveling home from Rotterdam. So um, I mean, I could always add things in the evening, but I don't really want to even commit to that. Um, unless like, I don't know, Hamilton wins, then maybe I might just jump on quickly and, um, uh, you know, do a little recording and send it to Brent to add to this, but it's highly unlikely, like baby girl is tired. Um, but I mean, we have to celebrate the fact that I'm always talking the things literally last week. I talked about Valtteri Bottas, who's currently Lewis Hamilton's teammate at Mercedes. I talked about the fact that because Mercedes don't want to offer him a multi-year deal, he's likely to go to Alfa Romeo. When I was saying this, everybody was getting cheeky, like, oh, listen to her hot takes and da 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 That's not likely. He wouldn't go there. Rare, rare, rare. Only for them to announce that he's in fact going to Alfa Romeo and they're giving him a multi-year deal. So I just wonder when the people then are going to stop doubting me. Like when I say something, can you hear me, please? Especially since Alfa Romeo are getting a new engine. I think they're going to be sourcing an engine for Mercedes now. So it's almost going to be like he, like he never left. So, um, you know, that's going to be happening. And um, yeah, as predicted, George Russell come 2022, when Bottas moves to um, Alfa Romeo, his new, um, Lewis Hamilton's new um, racing uh, partner will be George Russell. I can't lie, I still feel like George Russell is extreme bad vibes. And they keep, everyone keeps posting these pictures of George Russell back in the day, little, little boy standing next to um, Lewis Hamilton, who had just at that point, I think, entered into Formula One himself, um, um, racing for McLaren. So um, you see this little George Russell standing there with all his books and both of his books, I think they're Lewis Hamilton's autobiographies or biographies. And he's standing there with that. And people are like, oh my God, this is so cute. This is so cute. I was like, do you not understand that that is some weird energy? You know, like people often think like, oh yeah, if somebody's always looked up to you, um, then when, you know, when they are able to do what you do, there's always going to be this reverence. I just have the feeling that he feels like he knows Lewis inside and out. 
and everything's going to start and it's going to look hunky-dory and he's going to forget his station. He's not going to play his position and everything is going to get mad for everybody. And it's a bit worrying, but, you know, Lewis likes drama. He was able to, um, you know, work through what happened with Nico Rosberg, Alonso before that. Like, he's always had some interesting um, pairings. So, um, you know, different people, different people that he's had as racing partners, he's always kind of just gotten on with it. So I just, yeah, I think that this will be interesting, but I don't think that it's as cutesy as everybody's making out, like, oh, um, this is great. And there was this whole thing of um, Hamilton saying that um, Bottas was the best um, teammate he'd ever had. And people were coming at him like, oh, well, the only reason you say that is because he never challenged you. He never challenged you. But I'm also seeing that energy. I kind of knew that he clearly, like Bottas clearly had a team to go to when they told him that he should let Lewis get the fastest lap point um, when it was the Dutch Grand Prix. And he didn't listen and he tried to get that point anyway. That was the energy of somebody who was like, man, fuck them hoes. I'm leaving anyway. I've got a new team. I've signed a multi-year contract. You will not tell me what to do anymore. Um, so already in qualifying this week, because it's the Italian Grand Prix this week, or by the time you listen to this, it would have been on Sunday. Um, he's already like, it's like something has been, um, unleashed within him. I mean, also, he's also got a new power unit in his car. So that does kind of help as well, but it's like something has been unleashed within him. And he's just like, I don't have to um, play up to anything anymore. I can just do what I want. And we're seeing that because he came first in qualifying. He came first in the final, um, practice, was it when they did the qual um, the final, um, yeah, when they did the like qualifying bits, he came first there when they did the qualifying sprints like the sprints he came first then as well but but so that means that ideally Valtteri Bottas should have the um pole position for for Sunday but he's not going to have it because he got a new power unit in his car he's now received the penalty where is my guy starting on the grid 20th there is no power unit in the world that I think can do much from 20th position that is extremely wild. And it just feels like extremely punitive. I know that people will be like, oh no, but this, these are just the rules. But it just feels extremely punitive when it comes to Mercedes. That's the vibe I'm getting this year. Almost because like it feels like people don't really want Hamilton to get that eighth world championship. But, you know, it is what it is. People get penalised all of the time. So whatever. But it just feels awfully weird. Now, in terms of um, what that means for the final lineup, it's actually Verstappen, Daniel, so Max Verstappen from Red Bull, um, the energy drink people, the bad vibes people, where the spiceless wonder is um, the team principal. And so we've got Max Verstappen in pole position now. We've got Daniel Ricciardo, who drives for um, uh, McLaren, second um, position. Um, and then that other one, Lando Norris, yeah, he is in third position and Hamilton is in fourth position. Now, I have no doubt that I'm sure Hamilton's going to be able to pretty easily, I hope, overtake both McLaren cars, but I mean, Daniel Ricciardo is a great driver. I've got nothing to say about Lando Norris. Um, but he, you know, Norris has managed to drive well throughout the season. I will give him that. I just, I don't know about his vibes and I've cussed him out on the show before, but, um, generally speaking, like, I mean, McLaren have a decent car, I guess, 
but going against the Mercedes car, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? And the thing is, during uh, the qualifying laps and even um, when it was the um, free practice sessions and things like that, um, the Mercedes car was really strong, like it was for um, it was Verstappen, God forbid, it was um, Bottas and Hamilton, Bottas and Hamilton constantly. But I don't know where Hamilton's head currently is at. I don't know if it's remnants of the bad vibes of that pointy shoe girl that showed up last week. Probably not. I don't want to make assumptions. That's mean. Um, but he had, he didn't, when they were about to do the sprint race or the sprint qualifier, when it was time to go, he just had such a slow start, almost like the mind was elsewhere. It didn't seem like it was the car. I could be wrong, but he seemed like his mind was elsewhere. So by the time he got going, there were already people in front of him. So actually, if um, Bottas hadn't been um, relegated to 20th place, um, 20th position to start um, the race, Hamilton would have been fifth, fifth. And I know that he's managed to bring himself up from, you know, from wild positions on the grid. He started pretty much at the back sometimes and he's either come third or he's come first. So I know that it's not a big deal for him to start fourth, but the Red Bull car is so strong this year. It's so fast this year. You don't want to have to waste tires, mash up your tires because you're fighting back and forth with the McLaren boys. And the thing is that they're going to work together. And Daniel Ricciardo was already making these jokes. And I generally feel like Daniel Ricciardo is okay vibes. But he was already making these jokes um, about, oh, I was talking to Verstappen and he was just like, yeah, he's already won quite a few races. So he's going to just let me get ahead if I get ahead. And he's just going to hold everybody else off. Of course, he's not going to do that if, you know, he's got to earn his keep at the, you know, with the team that he's with. But you already see that button back, like that banter, that camaraderie that they all seem to have as younger drivers in a way that they do not have it with Hamilton. And I don't know whether it's a generational thing, not that he's of some kind of generation. But I don't know whether it's a generational thing or whether it's a race thing or whether it's a culmination of both. But those three being together at the top of the grid to start um, on Sunday sounds a bit like a problem to me. And Hamilton's already said that he thinks that it's going to be tough for him. But, you know, I hope it works out for everybody involved. It's just um, a very interesting state of affairs. But I feel like I've talked about that enough. So obviously I had to come back and record an update about um, Monza, the Italian Grand Prix, because I actually just cannot believe what took place today. I am shaking. I am raging because white supremacy is a thing. Um, it is a definite thing. We've always known this, but to see how it kind of manifests and shapeshifts in different industries. Um, yeah, that, that's a real kind of like mind blower. But, um, what am I talking about in case some of you, well, most of you, I know that you're, you're, um, new to F1 or you're refusing to be new to it. You're just like, I don't want to know, but go off. Um, I feel like Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton almost died today. And everybody's going on like, this is normal. Like, oh, you know, it's just what happens when people are racing. And that is not the truth. 
and it's just extremely wild because at Silverstone, when um, at Silverstone, when um, he had the racing incident with Max Verstappen, everyone was losing their mind. Oh my God, Max is in hospital. We hope he's okay. Oh my God, it's going to take us two million pounds to fix the car. And da, 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 da. but Max was about to take off Lewis Hamilton's head today, and it's like, yeah, well you know, it's a racing incident, we move, we move, we move. So what am I talking about? I said that right before, but, um, so they're all on the grid now, um, the race, it's race day on a Sunday, they're all on the grid, um, what's his name, Bottas is all the way, all the way at the back, because he got those, pen, um, that penalty for, um, changing the power unit in his car, and um, like I said, we have Verstappen in pole position, we have Daniel Ricciardo in second, we have Lando Norris in third, and we've got Lewis Hamilton in fourth. And lo and behold, when them lights go out, baby, when the lights go out, and you will so come to me, so baby, come to me. I'm such a piece of shit because I said to you that I was raging, that I was shaking, but I had time to sing that. I can't even remember if it was Blue or Another Level who sang that. I, they might not even even have been either, but you'll correct me, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, it was, was it Damage? Anyway, I, no, I don't know. But yeah, I am very upset, but you know, I no matter how upset I am, I can always break into song. Um, that's the musical thespian within me. Um, yeah, so they take off. Lo and behold, Daniel Ricardo gets to the front. So Daniel Ricardo was the one that was just behind um, Verstappen. And the thing is, like I said, J uh, Daniel Ricardo generally gives off um, good vibes. So it is what it is. So he's taken off now. But all I'm thinking in my head is like, rah, they already made this joke or he let us in on a joke with him and Verstappen where Verstappen's like, well, if you get ahead of me, you, I'll let you have the race and I'll hold everybody else off. And while we're like, oh, logically, maybe he wouldn't do that. I, re I really wonder if in years to come, we'll see that people threw their own races and bet on themselves. I'm not saying that that's what's happened in this case. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, sorry. We found Buckery right where we are. Anyway, so um, I'm just like, mm, again, I know that the McLaren car is okay. I know that Ricardo is, uh, Daniel Ricardo is a really good driver, but I'll go with it because weirder things have happened. And then he's driving, driving, driving now. And so it's um, now Daniel Ricardo in the front, Max Verstappen um, behind him, Lando Norris behind him, and Hamilton behind Norris. And then Verstappen's on the radio saying things like, oh, yeah, I just can't catch him. I just can't catch him. Are you okay? You can't catch a McLaren car suddenly in your Red Bull car. But if that was Lewis that was in front, you'd be able to catch it. Hmm? Anyway, so everyone's doing their hickey hagger now. Um, Alpha Tauri is taken all the way out. They, I don't know what was going on with them. So Gasly and Tsunoda are out of the race at some point. And let me tell you, Bottas... I don't know what kind of mindset he's got. It's like now that he's on his way out of Mercedes because he's going to be with Alfa Romeo um, next year, my man is driving. I'm I'm just here like, do I will I need to follow Valtteri Bottas to Alfa Romeo? 
because he's driving with a passion that I don't think I've seen from him before. He was pretty much, they had him down officially as P19 at some point because I, I think other people's cars were getting broke up. Um, and he finished third. Bottas was all the way at the back, all the way at the back. And he was just doing was, 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 was with everybody. He wasn't literally hitting them. But, you know, just just impeccable driving impeccable driving and so he ended up third place so he made a podium but Lewis didn't make podium why because um Verstappen goes into the pit lane to go and have his um tires changed right so he can you know get more speed because if you get fresh tires you can go faster so he's going to go and change his tires I don't know what was happening at, happening at Red Bull maybe none of them drank their Red Bull and they did not get their wings it was not delivered because it took them man 11 seconds 11 seconds to do that tire change 11 seconds now I know that a lot of you don't watch Formula One but what I need you to understand is 11 seconds is a lifetime it is a lifetime in formula one because ideally you wanting these things done in about two seconds ish like you you just want to be out 11 seconds hey chinnik in me 11 seconds um so you know that's put him in a mad you know he's put him in a mad space now and he's having to try to catch up and and fix up his life um and while he's struggling with his higgy hagar i think that norris also had um some um you know i think he had a slow one as well yeah norris had to norris had a slow tire change as well so where he had a slow pit stop as well right and then you could hear on the radio red bull or was it Verstappen or no Red Bull was saying something about um to Verstappen about the fact that Norris had a slow stop only for them to now do 11 seconds much 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 slower than Norris so obviously now he's flustered um Ricardo at that point was no longer in the lead um Norris no longer in the lead Verstappen mm, no so at this point um, when Lewis Hamilton goes to do his pit stop, as he's coming out of the pit lane, he is pretty much ahead in terms of time. He's ahead of everybody else. And so I guess because Verstappen knew that with that 11 second pit stop, he wasn't able go- he wasn't going to be able to do much since that happened. So when um, Hamilton was now um, ahead of him as he was coming out of the pit lane, Trust and believe they collided. That's what they say, that they collided. I will say that, to me, Verstappen crashed into Hamilton. Not only did he crash into him, but the force within with which he crashed into him meant that Verstappen's car went up into the air and the tyre landed on Lewis Hamilton's helmet, like landed on his head. Now, that is mind-blowing to me. And I'm just like... Whew, Woo, woo, woo. Hmm. Wow. I just feel like people are extremely mad because to say, oh, well, you know, that was a racing incident. It is what it is. That's not a racing incident. Like, thank God for um, Jules Bianchi, or is it Bianchi? Bianchi, I think it is, um, who um, is the one who designed the halo. And so the halo is a structure, like a frame that um, protects the head of the driver, like literally protects their neck, like protects their head, protects their head. If that halo hadn't been there, that's how water 
immediately the impact of Max's car would have landed on Lewis's head and that would have been the end. Like, you'd think that's bad enough, right? You'd think that that collision, as they want to call it, is bad enough. There was no space for Hamilton to give you, stupid raggedy bitch. And that's what RB should stand up, stand for from now on. Not Red Bull. It should stand for raggedy bitches because the energy from that team just continues to get worse and worse and worse. And they always say that a fish rots from the head down. So the team principal is a raggedy hoe and these lot are raggedy, raggedy hoes are raggedy bitches together. Because I just think that that sort of behaviour is quite frankly disgusting. It's just disgusting. There was no need for that to happen. And Max would rather, Max Verstappen would rather take him and Lewis both out of the race than for Lewis at that point. Because Lewis, if Lewis had made it out of that pit lane properly, smoothly, carried on, without a doubt, he would have won that race. As far as I'm concerned, without a doubt, he would have won that race. And if he had won that race, do you know what would have happened? He would have got 25 points. And so if he gets 25 points, that makes the gap between him and Verstappen even larger. Because with that 11 second pit stop, Verstappen didn't have a chance. And so he would not have gotten as many points as Lewis. And Lewis would have taken back the championship, the driver championship lead. And we really, really need to consider the fact that, like I said, not all of you watch racing but you need to understand that the same bloodlust that we're seeing everywhere else in society is very, very prevalent within Formula One. This raggedy bitch got out of his car after the collision. And you know what he said over the radio? Well, that's what he gets for not making space. Are you okay? Are you okay? First of all, you're stealing, you're, you're stealing people's girls. Kvyat, you took you took his girl, um, and then you think you're somebody that should be telling anybody else about what they should and shouldn't be doing. Very wayward behaviour, and that sounds so vindictive. Like if you won't create space for me, I will lick off your head top one time. I'm just I feel like if I was the president, if I were the president of Formula One, um, like the I would in I would introduce pit lane fights. Let's just fight. At this stage, let's just fight. Because if I brock you up two, three times, maybe you will understand that I'm not your rascal mate. And that's what a lot of them are not understanding. Like the frustration that they feel about the intimidation that they feel um, around Lewis Hamilton means that they will do the wildest shit on the track, especially when the cameras are on, because they know that they can't get batted up. But maybe sometimes let's all tie our hair back and fight get out the car and let's fight because I just don't, I, it's all getting extremely dangerous. And I'm saying that as somebody that knows the speed that these men are driving at. But when you add recklessness to that, that comes from Max Krashtappen, um, nobody's safe. And he loves talking about create space, leave space, leave space. Do you want everybody to just leave the racetrack for you? I feel like that would be the ideal situation for Max Verstappen. He would, that would be his favourite race for nobody else to be on the track so he can race. But you know what he would end up doing? He'd get into problems with himself because he wasn't able to create space with himself. Like, 
he's really giving mass shooter energy. I'm so sorry to say it. He's really giving. Mary had the same size hands as or sometimes had the same size hands as Marilyn Monroe. She took her measurement and him. He could have been a movie star. Never got a chance to go that far. Life was so oh now never know. I'm sorry, he's giving um school shooter energy because how are you saying like you your tire was on somebody's head? Your tire was just went whoop, on top of their head and then off. And you're talking about, oh, well, that's what he gets when you don't make a space. You could have also make a you could have also made a space. And you're getting used to the fact that everybody moves out of the way for you because they know how reckless you are. But sometimes if you're going to be mad, let's be mad together. And that's what you keep being shown. And what's he, what he's failing to realise is that he won't smell this championship the way that he thinks that he's going to smell it. Even if by some random chance he does end up, you know, doing whatever and winning this championship, which I hope he does not. He's thinking. He's thinking that when Hamilton um, retires, that then it's all going to be about him. That's not possible. There are other great drivers on that grid, not just you, you entitled man baby. There are other great drivers on that grid, and actually, the moment that Lewis goes, you won't just have his space because when so many of them are talking about, oh, we want to shake things up in racing, and when he goes, it will get more exciting because you know we want to race, we want to race. No, you don't want to race. You want to replace. You want to replace him and it's not possible it's literally not possible and I know that sometimes this feels like a Lewis Hamilton Stan account or a Lewis Hamilton Stan podcast but you for me it's just principle it's not about anything else other than principle like having somebody that is the only person of color well not, not only person of color that's wayward but having somebody that is um the only person um with your black heritage right in these situations and seeing how overt the racism is like even when we talk about like um Meghan Markle she was light as fuck light-skinned as fuck and she still felt that racism now and even that's when we were all calling it out and calling it out now imagine how concentrated that racism is within Formula One without people really able to call it out and that is what we've seen today and to me it just feels um yeah it just feels wild it just it just really feels wild, and I, oh, yeah, I'm so, it just makes me so emotional, because I'm literally like, he could, that guy could have died today, he literally could have died today, what now, and the fact that we know this, and then people are just like, oh, well, you know, that's what the halo was created for, we're glad that the halo did its job, the halo did his job, but you know who didn't do their job, Max Verstappen, I mean, he may have thought that his job was to, you know, take Lewis's head off. You know, if you can't beat them, kill them, eh? Like, no. Absolutely disgusting. And a racist will come and argue with me about it was just racing. But you weren't saying that, you dusty hold motherfuckers. You weren't saying that when it was Silverstone. Because Silverstone, how can Lewis do that? He could have almost killed, he could have almost killed Verstappen. Meanwhile, they were just touching each other, right? And then Verstappen moved mad in that situation too. And he got the results of his madness. But today was not a racing incident. It was way more than that. It was way more than that. And it felt very, very tactical. It felt very much like, you know, um, if I'm if I can't have it, 
nor can you know neither can you i'm taking it away i'm taking it away for both of us suddenly nobody cares how much it's going to cost to fix the damage suddenly christian horner doesn't have the vim that he had before spiceless wonder whingy spice doesn't have the vim that he had before it's I'm loving all of your responses because I saw that one of you wrote to me and he knew his race was pretty much done after his 11 second pit stop and decided to take another driver out with him because he had nothing to lose after that evil energy. Um, somebody else said, and, um, forever grateful that Jules Bianchi, Jules Bianchi's legacy is the halo, which has saved many lives slash major injuries. I'm very, very glad, but we need to do more. It says here also, Verstappen almost killed Lewis, didn't bother to check if Lewis was okay after the crash. And Martin Brundle says Hamilton, who was ahead going into the corner, should have given Verstappen space and was at fault. These people are beyond incoverable. I agree because that was the part that I feel like it was even hardest for me to kind of comprehend or even say while we were while I was recording this the fact that after he said that's what he gets for not making a space he walked off this little bitch this raggedy bitch walked off your tire was just on somebody's helmet like you you what are you talking about you could have taken their head off you could have crushed their head and you didn't even turn around to go like, oh, I hope he's okay. But you were the one that was screaming like a fox that's mating in Bromley. You were the one that was screaming about, oh, well, this wasn't sportsmanly. This wasn't sportsmanship when um, Lewis was celebrating at Silverstone. So you knew sportsmanship then, but you don't know sportsmanship today. Your head is not correct. Your head is not correct at all. Um, And, you know, the main part that we're really going to is the fact that like you are all saying, why are none of the commentators bothered that Lewis could have died? Look at how they all got hot under the colour about Silverstone. And that's true. All the commentators had all of the vocabulary, had all of the words when it was Silverstone. Very concerned for Max Verstappen. Very concerned for Max Verstappen. We've got to wait to hear what happened to Max Verstappen. But then today you saw somebody's tire on some you saw somebody's car on top on top of somebody else's head. And it's oh, you know, laughing at tweets that basically insinuate that that's what Lewis gets after Silverstone. This is not cool. This is not an okay environment. This is a very, very dangerous, nasty, toxic environment. That's not okay. It just makes me feel so, so uncomfortable. The way the commentators would lie. And then there was one um, useless idiot that now, um, I think, yeah, his name's Paul DeResta. He's the one that was like, oh, um, yeah, well, you know, this is what happens when, um, what is it? It's, yeah, this is, it's difficult. You know, racing is difficult when it's between two world champions. Now, I know that because you've never really smelled Formula One the way that you wanted to have smelled um, Formula One, because I think he was driving for, was it Force India could be wrong at some point. Um, but Paul DeResta, go and rest. Yeah, go and rest because you're delirious and you're delusional. You're hallucinating. Two world champions. There was only one, there was only one world champion in that situation, a seven-time world champion at that at that. There were no two world champions. Why? Because Verstappen's never won a world championship. He's trying very hard to win this one and it's making him do very, very mad things. There's only one world champion. But I really want us to take time to um, interrogate what um, 
how severe the the real power that white supremacy has right within our society and how people can all get together to collectively misremember what is happening um in history or what has happened in history we see it with for instance the benin bronzes and when the culture secretary was it olive um, oliver dowden they were asking him um they were um, on channel four news what um about returning the benin bronzes and he um, that was stolen um returning it to Nigeria and he was like yeah but yeah you know at the time that we took them um you know basically these things um weren't illegal and so their proper place for them is at the British Museum I hope that curses rain on all of your heads that's what I hope you stupid cows um and the news reporter was like no but they were stolen they were stolen it wasn't, you know, they, they were stolen. It's like, yeah, but I mean, in the 19th century, if we look at what we did in the 19th century to, to now, yeah, maybe some things would seem um, inappropriate. Stealing was also illegal in the 19th century, but it was just that black people weren't considered human, so it was okay to steal from them, Oliver. Don't ask for some more. Don't ask for any more from white supremacy. You've had enough. Go, and go away. Go back under your rock. But... Back to Paul DiResta and the rest of like the Sky Sports kind of pundits and all of them really, not just the Sky Sports pundits, a lot of them. And this is why, honestly, we need me. Like, why don't we have me bringing sense, just existing in that space between reporter and QT, just being there because people love to lie too much and we need to balance out we need to balance it out and people are willfully misremembering what's happening in this situation they do they've done it with serena williams and maria sharapova you they the media would have you believe that maria sharapova and serena williams were neck and neck meanwhile she maria sharapova had only managed to beat um serena williams only a, a number of times meanwhile serena had been flogging her forever but they'd always talk about them as rivals because she was the next best person at that point that um, she wasn't no that was a lie i take that back that lie she wasn't even the next best person that could contend with serena because there was a whole venus you know and venus and serena going back and forth all of that maria sharapova was really just put there because you know she's white blonde and they see her as pretty and so they'll talk about her being a rival to serena williams and people ran with that shit for years and that's what they're trying to do now with this whole max verstappen thing oh he's their golden boy mighty max mighty max he's not mighty max he's just a little mouse he's a silly little raggedy bitch mouse that's what he is and it just needs to be said because he really could have killed someone today. He really could have killed Hamilton today. And then everybody would have been like, oh my God, that's so sad. That's so sad. Like somebody's life could have really gone in that moment. And, you know, I respect the fact that Hamilton can't really speak out about it in, in the way that maybe he might want to, but I don't know him. Maybe he's very happy saying, making the statement that he made today, but I need Angela to do a bit more. Like if Angela's going to be your right wing, your, your wingman or whatever, she needs to jump up very high because I know she's very short. She needs to jump up very high and start throwing hands. She needs to start throwing hands because I, I just find that you can't wish all of this away. You can't good vibes only away white supremacy. There has to become a point where people are like, nah, this can't run. Like, this is actually wild this is difficult because this is what happens between two world champions no there was only one world champion and one raggedy bitch so I don't know where we go from here with that I 
I'm not somebody that does fangirling or whatever, whatever. I just feel like lives, people's lives matter. And, um, well, not if you're on burner account and you're a stupid bitch, but, um, just generally like, and that could have gone left so quickly. And I know that his um, publicity team, maybe, or whoever would have had to look over his um, tweet and his Instagram post as in Hamilton to see what he was going to post and then be like, yeah, you can go ahead with that. Um, because we don't want to say anything that's going to like make this worse in the press. And instantly the press are so happy to run, run, um, to run stories about, oh, you know, Hamilton, 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 this happened to Hamilton. And they're willing to post this picture there, but not really anywhere else, not on any other times, unless when it's like, oh, he's close to death. Um, but yeah, and I feel like the reason that they're forcing this whole thing about, oh yeah, you know, Lewis does have a rival and, 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 you know, Max is almost his equal and Norris is this and George Russell is that, is because they need to stay within the, the delusion of the superiority of white maleness. And so they will do that by any means necessary. The fact that um, Michael Schumacher had seven world championships and Lewis Hamilton now has seven world championships, it feels like everybody's on this thing where, no, you're not going to get that eighth or we're going to frustrate the process so you can't have that eighth because to get that eighth would mean that he surpassed, the in their eyes, the greatest of all time. He surpassed him by every metric. And I mean, to be fair, he already has, but they won't accept it if it's seven and seven. We need eight and seven, right? Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, I'm looking at what CNN are writing now and then CNN say the Italian Grand Prix was full of drama on Sunday as Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen collided. No, someone crashed into somebody else and were both subsequently ruled out of the remainder of the race. The pair who sit atop the Formula One Drivers' Championship standings were locked wheel to wheel. They weren't locked wheel to wheel because Lewis Hamilton was ahead of the raggedy bitch. They were locked wheel to wheel in a 26th lap and with Hamilton looking to squeeze Verstappen of space. And that is also a lie. That is a lie from the pits of hell, you stupid fellow raggedy, raggedy bitches. He wasn't squeezing him of space. He was where he was and Verstappen was where he was. Verstappen had more space to his left. He didn't want that space. He wanted to be mad. Um, looking to squeeze Verstappen of space. And basically they're going with what Verstappen says here. They didn't even put it in quotation marks. They put it in, in the text as if it's a fact. Um, the Dutch driver appeared, appeared to bounce off a curb on a corner, flying into the air and landing on top of Hamilton's car. That is not what happened. And this is what I'm saying, how the media collude with um, people who want to, you know, have a false narrative and they go with that because, you know, it serves them better. And everybody seems very, very invested in Verstappen winning this year. It says here, um, Verstappen could be heard on his team's radio saying that's what you get when you don't leave the space. Yeah but nobody's going to leave space for you. And I feel like that energy is also very, in my mind, very racist because it's more than just leaving a space on the track. It's the kind of thing that we hear all of the time, whatever violence you face, where, however you're treated, that's what you get for trying to be here in the first place. Um, he'll say that it's not because he's the kind of person that probably doesn't reflect on his actions to think about them in the larger context of things. Um, but yeah, Somebody else wrote here, honestly, I agree with him. It's a plain, it's plain to see. It was mostly definitely a tactical foul. Max knew he was losing and decided to take Lewis out. Why not take the escape road? He knew 
And Max knew he was, um, why not take this great? He knew that there was no way he could win the race, but Lewis definitely could. And he did not want that. Um, yeah, I, wow, 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 wow. Anyway, the raggedy bitch then puts this as um, his um, tweet. Today was very unfortunate. Uh, the incident could have been avoided if I'd been left enough space to make the corner. You need two people to make that work, and I feel I was squeezed out of it. When racing each other, these things happen, unfortunately. Hashtag Italian GP. You are a liar. You are a liar. Because when it was Silverstone, you didn't have this vim. You did not have this energy. Today was very unfortunate. The incident could have been avoided if I'd been left enough space. No, the incident could have been avoided if you decided not to move mad. And he says, you need two people to make that work. And I feel I was squeezed out of it. You can feel however you want, but it's not reality. You can feel all of your feelings, but it's not reality. And when racing each other, these things can happen, unfortunately. But your the impact that you had with Hamilton at Silverstone was way less than the impact that, that happened today at this race. But to, you do, to, you, you're just saying that, oh, these things can happen. Whenever it's things that you've done, it's these things can happen in racing. But when other people do it to you, you'll be rolling yourself on the ground like a fallen down hot dog. It's wild but to conclude they gave him the FIA currently have given him um, the penalty of um three grid place um three grid places so for instance if at um the Russian Grand Prix he I think that's the next one if at the Russian Grand uh, Grand Prix he for instance gets pole position which is the first place on the grid they're going to knock him back by three places so he'll then be in fourth place but I just think that that's a bullshit penalty for when someone's almost killed somebody else and it's blatant and there's no remorse for it whatsoever. He's walked off. He didn't even check on him. He didn't even walk over to him and check that he was okay in the car. He just walked off. That's fucked. I'm sorry. That is absolutely fucked. I was so in my feelings. I was just like, I'm going to message Lewis Hamilton. And I was like, oop, delete that because you're looking wild. But um, no, I'm, I'm just furious i'm furious that that could be a thing i'm furious that that could happen but i think the thing that hurts my feelings the most is the fact that all the other drivers are virtually saying nothing about it and this is what i said earlier you know before i when i recorded this before coming back to do the update i said i said that they're all tight together whether it's a case of age or whether it's a case of race um, case of race they don't see an issue with this and they're all pretending to do that thing that I get which I hate when you can all see that somebody's done something bad mind to me and everybody's just kind of there on the sidelines just not saying anything just kind of like looking that's bullshit oh yeah well the the main thing we should focus on is that you're okay yes we, we should focus on the fact that I'm okay and we should also focus on the um, fact that that guy is very very dangerous and really shouldn't be allowed to continue driving much longer if, if I was in charge he would have received a fine he would have received points on his license and he would have received a two race ban yeah two race ban two races so by then you will have no chance of winning the championship but because they want to give him every chance possible to win the championship they're not going to do that to him and that my friends is how white supremacy works but remember that on a closing note remember that when um hamilton and verstappen crashed in um at silverstone or collided at silverstone 
um, because of the noise that everybody was making and all the racist abuse that they were sending to Hamilton, not because of, but even with all of those things happening, Hamilton still called Verstappen after the race, like gave him a phone call to check in on him. Verstappen walked off. He walked off after landing his car on Hamilton's head. He just walked off. And I would be very surprised if they turn around and tell us that he phoned um, Hamilton to check that he's okay. And um, because if he now does that, it's pretty much a PR stunt and it's their PR teams telling them to go around things or go about things in this specific way. But like I said, too close. The final podium was um, Daniel Ricciardo in first place. Lando Norris in second place and Valtteri Bottas in third place. So Valtteri Bottas still managing to get points for um, Mercedes, AMG, Petronas, whatever they want to call themselves. And um, um, the Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, because they're both with McLaren, got nice hefty points for McLaren as well. But you know who didn't get the points that they would have liked like that red bull i mean sergio perez still would have got points obviously because he finished i think fifth or something so they would have still got something but um yeah i'm just glad that they didn't make podium because this is really ridiculous behavior this is extremely nasty um behavior but there's this tradition that daniel ricardo has um, that he's been doing um, for a long time that since he's been in um, Formula One that's called a shoey so when he wins um, um, a race when he gets podium when he gets first place he likes to take off one of his shoes um, that he's been wearing for all of those endless laps like this race was 53 laps yeah 53 laps he's had that shoe, that shoe on his foot for 53 laps with socks everything sweating all up in there takes the shoe off pours champagne in it and drinks it. Um, I remember one time he was drinking from it and he offered Hamilton some and Hamilton drank from it too. And to me, that was peak whiteness, but okay. So anyway, now um, he's doing the shoey and even Lando Norris drank out of it as well. And we're in a panoramic. We're in a panacotta. We're in a para-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra. What are you doing? This is what tells me that some of you man just don't wash your hands even after all of these things have happened. Because in a panini, why do you think that it's okay to take off your shoe, pour champagne in it, you drink from it, ask your teammates to drink from it, and then your um, main mechanic or is it your main engineer that they should drink from it too? Coronavirus. Coronavirus. I mean, I get being excited, but that was just yucky. That was, yeah, I've always thought it was yucky, but it just felt extra yucky um, at the moment. And, um, you know, I was sharing, I was tweeting, I was saying all of the things um, as all of this was happening because I was fully emotional about it. Even when I was on the train coming back from um, Rotterdam, it just made me extremely emotional and noting that the trolls were trying to tell me that oh it's not a big deal when I know that they were crying when it was Silverstone and it was Verstappen but I just want them to know that you're just not getting rid of me yeah and I am telling you I'm not going I'm the best commentator you will ever know and that's why I need my show, cause there's no, 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 no way I'm missing a Grand Prix, and you, and you, and you, 
you're gonna love me oh pussy plots you're gonna love me yes anyway let's get to straw of the week aka suck your mum so the first letter for straw of the week this week um well yeah the first straw of the week this week is a letter look at my life um it says here hi kalechi Please can I give a straw to everyone who can't bring themselves to wank over black women? Let me explain. I'm broke and looking creatively at ways to boost my income around parenting, working in my day job and having other writing work, which as a new, um, which as a new and not yet established writer rarely pays. My partner and I are both recently self-published, um, and I both recently self-published our first sexy lesbian romance stories for a bit of fun. And hopefully one day, some extra little money. They are free to read on Kindle Unlimited or uh, free to read on Kindle Unlimited or 99 cents. So feel free to share with any mates who like sapphic erotica. All the stories I write will have a black woman in the, uh, as a main character. Let me be clear. This is trash. This is not showcasing my literary genius. This is wank fodder, but bloody good wank fodder, if you ask me. And um, they've included um, a link here. So I'll add the link to the captions of this episode if you all want to go and buy it and enjoy yourselves. It says here, the first one was great fun to write and I didn't have big expectations for earning potential. I just... Um, just hoping to be able to t- get a takeaway now and again, you know? However, I am salty that my partner's story immediately got and steadily continues to get hundreds of reads a day, and I have had zero. Read zero. Okay, but that was us. Okay, one, but that was us. Um, Kind um, Kindle Unlimited counts and calculates payment by how many pages are read. We both wrote similar stories at the same time, published them in the same way with the same genre, settings, categories, etc. Neither of us did much advertising, but I did more marketing efforts than her. The only other difference, I have a black woman on my cover and she has a white woman on her cover. Jesus. Whew. Being black and queer can really be a madness. The lesbian slash woman loving women community, um, women who love women community and readers of these kind of books are very white. I tell you, most of them will be saying BLM on their Twitter and they support diversity in books, etc. But here now they have a chance to support a black slash mixed race writer, even when the book is free and yet on very basic, uh, on a very basic physical level, when they feel Horny, they can't bring themselves to click on a sex story with a black woman pictured as the protagonist. I took great pains to find a suitable cover image featuring a black woman that in itself was not easy to do. I naively didn't expect it to have this much of an obvious impact on sales, but here we are. Thanks again for your work. I truly appreciate you. Something I forgot to mention in my last email is that though there is much um, I love about you, I wanted to give a special thank you for the tarot readings. They always speak to me, even when I'm listening back through past episodes. I find I can always apply them to my life. This is very healing for me as I've been trying to reclaim tarot for myself since a reading I had a couple of years ago left me feeling frankly traumatised by the reader's hostility and aggressive attitude when he snarled at me about what men want from me. 
I was and still am in a long-term relationship with a woman and he was chatting shit about me trying to get a man being needy and desperate totally misreading the way I move in relationships whoever they are um whoever they are with and assumed I was a sex worker because I was a massage therapist um massive respect to sex workers I just hate his assumption and the contempt with which he delivered it it took at least a year before I could pick pick up my cards again without feeling sick and fearful fuck it I offer another straw to Chris at Mysteries in Covent Garden and the owner of that place whose attitude also stank. Thank you, Kelechi, for helping me welcome back Tarot into my life. Respect and affection. Thank you, babe. Thank you for writing that. That was, um, you know, I'm sorry that you had that experience with tarot reading because um, we never know, you know, we can do as much research as possible, but sometimes you go to people for readings and they're absolute fucking idiots. I was talking to Marcella Kroll the other day because she came to the UK and we went for tea. And I was telling her about my experiences with um, a couple of readers and she was just like, oh, that's really terrible. She's had different experiences with them, but I've said me, I will never go back. And I've had a friend say to me as well that I mentioned someone, I think on Twitter, and I was just like, oh, the things that this person said for me are now I'm seeing them kind of like manifesting or materializing. And they said that they went to um, that person, but they didn't go to that person. They went to someone that that person now recommended and they had a terrible reading and it left them really, really shaken up. Um, and so, yeah, there just needs to be more care. And I don't know how we go about that, but, um, you know, it's something that is on my mind. So I'm just trying to be very, very careful these days about who I go about recommending and specifying that I only got this particular service from them. So if you go and do anything else, I beg, I don't know about that one, but, um, yeah, it, it needs to be said, I, um, I guess. And so my final straw of the week, um, we knew it was coming, goes to everyone who so willingly wants to misinterpret and misunderstand everything that I say. So um, Channel 4 had uh, 24 hours of programming where they were showcasing black British talent from the cast, the crew, everybody, you know, from the news um, to sitcoms, to adverts, everything for the entire day was going to be blackety black black. So first of all, I want to give a straw to all the white people that were upset about this, that started tweeting the maddest things about what is it that I'm looking at on my screen? This is disgusting. What would happen if we had a whiteout? What would happen if we had white people on TV for 24 hours a day? You already do, Gary. You already do, Philip. You already do have that happening. So what are you talking about? Rupert. What are you talking about? That's already happening, Sharon. So it's just really, really wild to me that people could make those kind of statements. And it just shows a lack of self-awareness. It shows a lack of understanding of the um, societal kind of like landscape that we're existing within. Um, yeah. And so that's very mad. But my, you know, so a straw for them, straw for them, they can go suck out and cry about it you know, there needs to be more black programming. There needs to be more times that we, you know, booking black crew and um, having, um, you know, black newscasters do the things, having um, black editors be here and there and just have more people involved in every aspect of the um, industry. Um, so yeah, we do need more of that. But I must say, like, if there gets to a point where you just have to think, what is the point in any of this? Like, I'll continue to do my things. Like, I'm literally in Rotterdam here to give a keynote speech that I've now given. I'm not struggling out here. 
So when I point out something, it's not because I'm struggling. I'm merely pointing out that I understand that with my impact, if you're saying that this thing, you're doing this thing and it's about this thing, me considering my impact and saying that, oh, it's a bit mad that I wasn't included in that or that I wasn't even um, approached in any way, shape or form. Although Sadiq doesn't see what I would have been involved with. He was just like, I just really need you to see just how magnificent you are and that there are certain spaces that, that just are not for you. Um, and which I understand his perspe- and perspective on it. But I don't think that these that that's the reasoning that a lot of these people had used um, behind the scenes, like the main, main decision makers. That's not really the reasoning that they would have used when they were going about commissioning these things, because what lo- some people love to say, um, and I was going to say somebody's name there, but I'm going to not because I already know that I've met you in person and I see how nervous you are as a person, even when you try to perform big girl online. And um, I know people that know you when you were in school and how you moved then as well. So I won't say names, but even when people are talking about, oh, well, I don't know what relationships she actually had um, with people at Channel 4 initially. You don't know who reaches out to me generally. And when I tell them the things that I want to do, they're just like, oh, no, that's too much. That's too much. That's too much. People who have asked me, oh, I want Sally in HR, but I want her for this. And when I'm like, you can't have her for that, but we can do this. Suddenly it's radio silence. So when I'm talking, I'm talking from a place of frustration when they're pretending that there isn't a space for the things I want to do, but they can program 24 hours to do this thing. I was very clear in that, even if I didn't go as in-depth as that, it was very clear what I was talking about to the extent that Diane Abbott could endorse me and say, you know what, this is the last year that people will be able to overlook your brilliance. Diane Abbott was able to do that, but everybody else, I'm saying everybody else, I need to really quantify this and these things. So few people, usually the regular people, really wanted to jump up and start talking shit. And that is very upsetting to me, very upsetting to me, because it's like people just love to lie. I made it clear that, you know, well done to the people that have been platformed today. Well, most of them, because there are certain people I can't fucking stand and I'm not going to pretend that I can when time and time again, especially when it comes to men and the news that they've tried to come at me mad and I'm what, meant to celebrate everyone. I'm not going to be fake like some of you lot. I'm not going to be fake under no circumstances. I'm just going to say it how it is. And that's why you don't like me. That's why I'm not likable. Although likable in and of itself is a sexist construct. And and I would say that it's a, when it comes to misogynoir, it also feeds into that as well. Why do I have to be likable? When Monique said she wasn't getting paid what Amy Schumer was getting paid or what the male, um, um, you know, stand-up comedians were getting played, paid. Everyone was like, yeah, but it's because you're not likable and you're difficult. Now, I have a problem with Monique telling us that we can't wear our bonnets, our helmets of salvation. But even when that was happening to Monique, I said, this is more than her likability. You're, everyone's trying to pull out stats out of nowhere, like, oh, well, you haven't put a toured in a while. You haven't done this in a while. You haven't done that in a while. But white men haven't done that in a while either. And yet they can come back and they can charge what they charge to be part of these um, and to do these specials. How is that fair? And then they'll be like, oh, it's not about that. Because look, we gave a younger black comedian, we gave her a special so it can't be that. But compare what you paid the black comedian to what you played, paid the white ones. And we'll see that there is still a disparity, even if it's more than what you offered Monique. There is still a disparity. You can't deny the impact that Monique has had as a comedian throughout the decades. You can't deny that as an actress as well. Can't really deny that. But they have tried. 
Gina Yashere had to leave the UK because people said, oh, you know, you're not funny, you're not this, you're not that. And she's out there thriving in LA, minding her business now with her boo. So I know that I'm not the first to experience this. I'm aware, whether it's this country, like in terms of the UK, or whether it's across the world, I know that I'm not the first person to experience this. And why is it such a big deal when I, for me to say, big up to everybody who's in front of the screens, doing what they're doing, whatever. I don't know a lot of these crew. I don't know the majority of people that were involved behind um, in terms of this, um, the crew for that. But I have a problem with an institution that, first of all, wants to give us 24 hours. So that means that you found that there was enough content to fill 24 hours of blackness. But when people tell you that just show us a little bit more, you say, oh, we don't know where to find the crew. We don't know where to find the stories. We don't know where to find the actors. We don't know where to find this. We don't know where to find that. But out of the blue, you could find 24 hours of content, of black content. So that means that people are playing in our faces constantly. And so then now when you've decided to do that 24 hours of programming, of course, you're going to be very, very selective about then who is used for this and who is used for that. And I'm saying specifically, people love to throw this title of activism upon me, but I'm saying purely as somebody that creates like really amazing disruptive content. How is it that Sally and HR didn't get a nod? How is it that my tarot or podcast didn't get a nod? I'm a bit, I'm, I am allowed to say that. I am allowed to call that out and I'm not diverting from the vibes. I'm not diverting from this and I'm not diverting for that. By the time people, by the time this episode goes out, a lot of people are going to be blocked and they will not know why. But you forget that I can see certain things. And even if you're not talking to things directly, I can see how some of you are behaving. And even if you're not behaving overtly in a particular way, I can also sense your silence. I'm disappointed and disgusted at the number of black women that whenever things are happening around me, that is the perfect moment for them them to go silent or be tweeting about something else. Oh, she's not going to ruin our vibe. She's not going to ruin our day. Two things can be true at the same time. In fact, more, more than two things can be true at the same time. I can be happy that you're having your day. You can be happy that you're having your day and still be like, oh, but you know, it would have been nice to kind of give a nod to Kalechi when we have to be honest. A lot of people who were involved in one way or another, you've benefited from the content that I've made. You've benefited from the narratives and the ideas and, and the energy that I've put out in the world. So how is it so hard for you to just say, you know what, she has a point? Or is it that you're like, you know what, she has a point, so I'll say nothing. But that silence doesn't help anybody, does it? Time and time again, any group, these groups of black men that listen to three shots of cyanide, you know, they all, they're all a clique together. Like you, um, you know, these guys, they're your mutuals, all of these things. Anytime people come at me, you're silent, you're silent, you're silent. I pray that you have a long life and you are able to rectify all the times that you've choked on the words that you should have said. Because if you were to choke anytime tomorrow and you hadn't actually spoken your truth, I would hate for you also to have to repeat this assignment again. When will you stand up for something? Or maybe you're just like, oh, Kalechi's not worth standing up for. And if that's the case, get the fuck off my page get the fuck off my podcast it's really that simple because all of you will be silent but you're forgetting that I can see who watches my stories within you know in, in you know reasonably because you know if so many people watch it um you can't actually see every single person and there is no app for you to actually check every single person because I think sometimes people need to be sent a screenshot of the fact that they're watching my stories just to remind them that you're here all the time I post ah you're here all the time but then when it comes to it, when it comes to people having mad conversations, you're all silent. 
You're disgusting. You're disgusting cowards. And you want to talk about likability? You want to be silent when people silent when people are questioning my likability, quote unquote likability. When have black men specifically had to be likable? Joe Budden, who you lot want to suck his cock, that you'll be talking up and down about how you don't care. You love Joe Budden. You love Joe Budden's podcast. You love this. You love that. Joe Budden beat a pregnancy out of his ex-girlfriend or wherever she was. He beat a pregnancy out of this woman. He beat a pregnancy out of this woman and he's still allowed to have a successful podcast the way that he had it. He's still allowed to have the platforms to do the things that he's he's done. I have not done anything of the such, but I have to be likable. Make that make sense. That you always have endless grace for these men. Endless grace. They can do the worst things. Endless grace for them. Kanye will move mad. He'll say this you're fine with that. This person will do a next thing, you're fine with that. But when it comes to me, no, I have to be likable. Oh, I'm bad vibes. Do you know who's bad vibes? The birth canal that you exited from. That's who's bad vibes, because it's clear to me that some of your mothers are wayward. You weren't brought up to have any sense of self, any sense of gumption, any sense of divinity. So you move through the world trying to dull other people's light and dim it. And you believe that, oh, you're just doing it because this person's obnoxious, this person's arrogant, this person's this, this person's that. It's not about me. I'm just a blank canvas. It's about you. Whether you like me, whether you don't like me, I'm simply a blank canvas. This is about you. You need to have a conversation with yourself and figure out what it is that riles up your soul, riles up the demons that live rent-free in your heart. You need to ask yourself why that keeps happening. Because what you're hoping you will do is that you'll wear me out. And it's not possible for any of you to wear me out. I stallion things this, yeah? You can't wear me out. But what will happen is that I'll just stop interacting with so many of you and you just won't know why and I've been blocking and I've started do, using this thing called a um, mega block over the weekend I've started using this um site called mega block where you type in the url of a tweet and it automatically blocks the author unfollows anyone and blocks anyone who liked that tweet I think that that's important because I'm always blown away Whenever I click on somebody moving mad when they're tweeting me and I click the like and I see that people are following me and have followed me for a while, um, who are there liking the tweets. You're enemies of progress and you don't need to be here. And while I understand that not everybody who follows you likes you, I have to say that I think that you all have a sickness. You all have a sickness deep in your heart that you need to address. I tweeted earlier because there was someone, no, should I even start at the top? Let's start with the first person that I thought was extremely wild. Um, a Ben Anderson. I think his name is Ben Anderson because now I'm going to name and shame like I usually do. I'm just going to spend some time naming and shaming um, because you're not going to deny me my truth and you're not going to make me feel like, oh, I'm the crazy one where I'm simply just speaking about what affects me. I know that people want to support their friends. I know that there are different production companies that have relationships with Channel 4 and they do the things that they're doing with them. I was speaking about Channel 4 as a whole because I know how often they have reached out to me in the past for other things. So they can't pretend that now all of a sudden they don't know who I am. That it was very simple. Any misinterpretation that you lot are running with and dancing around with, that is on you. 
And I promise you, a lot of you black women as well, black British women specifically that have your group chats that you'll be kikiing about me, that is the group chat that you'll go and share all the woeful and miserable things that will continue to happen to you. And it's going to happen to you with more frequency because for some reason you want me to fail when it's you and your lineage. All of you are the ones that are going to fail before you ever see that happen to me. And I want you to know that that same group chat that you go to move mad especially some of you who have larger group chats, you don't know who screenshots this, screenshots that, you lot will be the ones to suffer. You will suffer. So all the smiling in my face that you're doing, you want to be careful with all of that smiling. You want to be careful. So this Ben Anderson one, um, he is a black man who is married to a white man, and white married to a white man, he's married to a white woman. Ben Anderson, a black man married to a white woman, and he behaves exactly like the kind of black man that I would expect who marries a black and um, marries a white woman and decides that he's gonna move mad to black women. And before I delve into this further, on Instagram stories, I posted the other day about the type of white woman who puts Black Lives Matter in her bio. I went to go and do some snooping the other day after some of the experiences that I had. And I saw that, oh, it's a white woman with a mixed race guy and she's got Black Lives Matter in her bio. What you really mean is black dick matters. That's what some of you white women care about. You care about the dick and you just don't want that dick to go into extinction. So you'll say black lives matter. But if black lives truly mattered, you'd also care about black women as well. But because you're jealous of black women, you find them intimidating and you know really what time it is in terms of energy. You're like, no, um, I'm just going to ignore them and I'm going to talk down to them or I'm just going to pretend that I don't see them. And you can't say it's about racism because I like light skin women. I think that light skinned women can be in this space. So it's just the whole thing. If you see someone moving mad, you'll usually find Black Lives Matter in their bio. So this Ben Anderson guy now, instead of facing his front, facing his wife, he's decided that it's me that he wants to tweet at because I've written this, the same tweet that Diane Abbott quote tweeted and um, basically um, endorsed me. He said, I think it's fine and completely natural to be disheartened when you feel you've been overlooked for opportunities, but I can't help but feel that a thread like this is almost counterproductive for what you're saying you want to achieve in the future. And um, Ramel London, big her up, she said, Colette, she's right though. It's so selective and one day isn't enough for all of the talent we have to offer. We're told to stay quiet and be grateful for what we have, but no, they need to know that there needs to be more opportunities and how disheartening it is to be overlooked. He's responded to Ramel and he said, that's a different conversation and one that definitely needs to be had. But that's the one I'm having, Ben. Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, Uncle Tom. That is the conversation I'm literally having right now. So what do you mean? says that's a different conversation and one that definitely needs to be had and can be had in a constructive way my tweets were saying that her whole approach and attitude to the conversation absolutely stinks especially as she wants a seat at the table I don't want a seat at the table Ben little Ben not even big Ben because we know you can't be big um I don't want a seat um at the table I don't I don't really think that there should be a table in terms of if we're using this term proverbially, um, and if there is going to be, some of you really need to um, talk about the fact that your your chair has three legs. Your chair isn't even balancing properly. They're not. Re they're giving you crumbs at the table, but oh my god, I've got a seat at the table. I don't want that for myself. And me saying that it's weird that I was overlooked for something because of what they framed that thing as isn't me going oh my god oh my god they should have put me oh my god I'm just saying like I'm just say, stating facts so why is that getting everybody all emotional and they can't stay with the fact of what I'm talking about and he's talking here about my tweets um 
um, you know, absolutely stinks. Talk to your white wife like that. And I really want to indulge, like really go deeper into this because yes, there are black women who are with white men who also move mad and are very self-loathing. But in terms of the frequency, the consistency with black men who are in relationships with white women, we see that madness. We see that self-loathing a lot with these black men. Not every black man who's with a white woman is self-loathing, but at the same time, there are a lot of self-loathing black men who are with white women. And we can't dance around that any longer because you have this vim. Go and have this vim for your wife. Don't bring this vim to me. Have this vim for your wife because there's something clearly lacking that you need to address that you feel like you can project onto me. And you're trying to infantilize the women of color, specifically the black women who are telling you that what's going on here is simply not right. And I feel like oftentimes a lot of white women like to boast that they've got a black partner, that they've got a black boyfriend, that they've got a black husband. But we really need to look at the caliber of black husband or black boyfriend that you have. A lot of you have a bottom of the barrel black men that wouldn't survive in relationships, that could not thrive in relationships with black women, which is why they came to you. And you'll be sitting with them and they'll be seething that black women are simply out there living their lives. But you've got a black man and they can also understand how racism um, operates. So that's why you can say black lives matter. But they'll never push the conversation beyond that. They'll never push the conversation to the point of how does racism intersect with sexism and how does that affect black women? Whether they're black trans women, whether they're black cisgendered women, how does that affect black women. They don't want to have those conversations. And because you're new to these streets, you also don't have these conversations. I've had white women actually say to me before in meetings, professional meetings, oh yeah, um, my boyfriend's black. And I had to start teaching him about like black women and womanhood and respecting black women. But he has a black mother. And you have, as a white girl that likes to do up, you get me blood. You're the one that had to come and teach him. Isn't that a bit sickening? Isn't that a bit mad? Hmm. So I wouldn't go and boast too quickly about the black men that some of you are with as white women, because if you really, really looked at them, if you really, really looked at them, you'd see that you don't really have a prize. You don't really have a prize. And sure as hell, this Ben Anderson is no prize at all. And I know he's built his whole platform on being like a dad, like a dad that blogs. I kind of feel sorry for your children that you can be so hateful to a woman that you don't know online that you're trying to dim her as much as possible um because you don't like how it threatens your sense of reality that I'm just saying the things that are true for me so your children will come to you and they'll be like rah you know I want to do this thing no you must do it this way you have to toe this line you don't want them to be the beautiful divine beings that they are in their full expanse you can't surely want that for them because if you did you would not be trying to police how I am expressing my emotions so some of you are showing yourselves to be absolutely fucking shit parents by how you're approaching me, an adult. So that needed to be said. And what I found was very funny was the further infantilization when women were saying to him, essentially, you're saying that Kalechi should sugarcoat her feelings around often being overlooked slash excluded. Sorry, but who are you or I as bystanders to say Kalechnikov's way of expressing her feelings is wrong? If you're really serious about correcting, then DM her, but not like this. But there's nothing to correct. 
And I, I appreciate what was being done there, but I made sure to say there's nothing to correct. And also you can't DM me because my DMs aren't open to everyone. Because imagine the fuckery that I'd be receiving if my DMs were open to everyone. And that's what he's really vexed about, that he does not have access to me. So he's got to quote tweet this and try to move mad. But what I love is that people were... Um, even what, before I go to what I love, um, he starts responding to um, people with, oh, but um, let's not be silly here. What I'm saying is X, Y, Z. Her tweets were disgusting. So we've gone from the tweet stinks to now the tweets are disgusting. You're tweeting like your white wife. You're tweeting like your white wife. You shut the fuck up. Yeah, you shut the fuck up. She should be embarrassed to be with somebody like you. Absolutely embarrassed you are a mess. You are a sham of a man. You are a sham of a human being. And if you think I wasn't going to talk about it, this is the disgusting thing that you wanted to hear. This is the bitter thing that a lot of you wanted to hear. Here the fuck it is. Bitter, angry. Can you not hear yourselves? You stupid coons. Can you not hear yourselves? Can you not hear what you're saying? Like, oh yeah. Oh, she's bitter. She's bitter. You're using rhetoric. You're using all of this rhetoric. And I know I just called you a coon. And you're using all this rhetoric to tell me who I am. And it's not new rhetoric. It's rhetoric that you use for black women all the time who dare to ask for more, who dare to ask for better. Just because you have mothers that suffered, and I've said this time and time again, just because your mother is a sufferhead, suffer, suffer, she's a sufferhead, doesn't mean that I have to accept the same destiny. Upon how great your mum was and how she suffered, you still did not go and get a woman that looks like your mum. You didn't. So you definitely can shut the fuck up. Um, so yeah, that needed to be said. And just the constant misogynoir, the constant infantilization of let's be, don't be silly. Let's not be silly. Let's not be silly. You don't talk to the man them like that. You lot don't say to other men, let's not be silly here. You don't talk to them like that. You save all of that vim for women and specifically black women. And we don't have to tolerate it. You could have left me alone and you could have just focused on your three shots of cyanide friends, but you decided that you wanted to try me today and it doesn't go well for you. And that's why I said upon Diane Abbott endorsing me, it's you, you with your misaligned goatee, you with your wayward self that speaks like one of the chipmunks. It's you that's going to try to pattern me. Hell, cold day, put it together. Fool. I found it funny that upon all that posturing that he was doing about this is not how you get a seat at the table, somebody sent me a screenshot of his business or whatever on company's house and they were like, he hasn't filed his records, he hasn't filed his accounts or whatever for ages. And I just think, but this is such a great example of mind the business that pays you. You're so worried about my seat at the table, you're about to fall off yours. Focus, face your front, love your wife, leave me alone. You don't have to keep talking about me. You don't have to keep talking to me. Leave me alone. So uh, yeah, I just found his whole waywardness really, really interesting. And the moment I start talking about misogyny, it's like, oh, you always bring this stuff up. You always try to make it about this because it's always about this. I don't try to make it about this. But you see, again, the same rhetoric that you lot adopt from white supremacist patriarchal structures. You're always pulling the race card. You're basically telling me that I'm always pulling the black woman card. But if that's the only card I've got in a deck that's stacked against me, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm going to keep referring to it because it is what fuels absolutely everything. And so people pretending like, oh, um, it's backhanded compliments. I'm seeing black women here, there trying to put their own in. You just don't like me. It's easier to just be like, I just don't like her. 
And that's fine. We don't have to like each other. You can be a perfectly okay person over there that doesn't like me. I can be a perfectly okay person over here that doesn't like you and we keep it moving. But none of you are content with that. And you seem to think because I shared this observation that it means that I'm struggling. But have you taken a look? Have you really taken a look around me? Have you not seen the momentum that's building around me? No, I just understand that for me to be able to move the way that I want to move, I have to start calling certain truths to power and saying that this can't stand and this can't stand. But what I find interesting is that Mo Gilligan, who's doing his thing and being wonderful, he tweeted in um, June 2020, I'm not going to lie, the TV world is very quiet right now, even you Channel 4, and it can't just be the same old copy and pasted post that the legal team has said is okay. Don't be posting hashtag Black Lives Matter if you're not going to change the landscape of the industry that you're part of. Everybody was saluting Mo for saying that. Everybody was praising Mo for saying that. He's not bitter. He's not bitter, right? He's allowed to say that. And so can you see that the energy is different? And so whether people claim that I've done this and I've done that, and that's their reason for not liking me, again, you're lying because you can't actually say anything concrete that I wouldn't be able to give you a rebuttal on. But I'm tired of giving rebuttals. Like I literally see it in my destiny. I see it in my birth chart that I'm a bigger girl for all of you dons and I'm not meant to spend my time arguing with you. And I'll be damned if this beautiful life, I squander it and waste it going back and forth with people who are committed. They have a lifelong commitment, a lifelong subscription to misunderstanding me. I just have to let you have it. Call me bitter, call me bad vibes, call me unlikable, call me all of the things, but I don't have to answer to any of the things that you call me because I know the name that God calls me and I know how much of an impact I have been and I continue to be and nobody's going to take that from me right? And I always find it interesting, the people that like to like pop up out of nowhere and start adding to things. There's this, what, this Isaac Kariyuki. Um, I tweeted that people are talking about being like likable and this and that, but people were platformed who spread right-wing rhetoric, but you think I wasn't there because of checked notes, bad vibes and likability. He quote tweeted, and we have quite a few mutuals, he quote tweeted and said, Tel Aviv twerk shop. So what he means by that is this person that doesn't follow me, but has quite a few mutuals with me. Um, and there were people and kicking with him in the comments. Um, but again, a mega block upon his head top. Um, what he means by that is that in 2017, I did a twerk shop in Israel. This was at the time that I was still building my twerk shops. And this girl who had said that she was doing her learning and whatever, and wanted to platform a black woman teaching twerk, invited me to come over to teach this twerk shop and judge the twerk championships. And I was very vocal at the, about the time, at the time about the fact that everything feels very appropriative to me, but I'll come through and speak my truth. And I did. And I did speak my truth. Yes, I went to Tel Aviv. What do you now want me to do about that? Because if you ask me now, my rationale for going then when I was still starting and building my platform and building my business in terms of twerk, because I only really started going full on with these twerk workshops in 2016. And this was 2017, my trajectory, my come, you know, my, my blow, glow up when it comes to having a pole dance studio and having a twerk studio, you know, happened very quickly, but I still had to put in a lot of work to get my name around. So if you were to ask me, would I go now with everything that's happening, even if I was aware about the things happening then, of course, I would not go now because we have to have very, very serious conversations about what's happening to Palestinians and um, to um, all of that. We have to have all of those conversations while definitely not being anti-Semitic. We know that. Um, 
So these are very, very real things. But why are people trying to reduce what I do? Why is it not possible that I am saying what I'm saying, but because you see everybody else moving mad towards me, you now want to come in and drop that in there. You did a work workshop in Tel Aviv. Oh, you really got me there, you prick. You really got me there. And the people laughing with you, chumping, coming out of nowhere with burner accounts. And I just find it interesting where I look at some of the things that you people write and the way that you tweet and everything else. There is a deep sadness. And this is not just this guy. This is generally, there is a deep sadness. And I said this in the summer of 2020 as well. There is a death-like energy that so many of you hold onto wholeheartedly. There is depression present there. And I tweeted this and people are like, you're being ableist. And this is why you didn't get the, this is why they left your ableist ass off this and that. And I deleted the tweet because I was like, I see where you're trying to go with this. And you're going to willfully misinterpret what I'm saying here. But it is clear to me that people are deeply, deeply sorrowful, deeply sorrowful. And they don't know what to do with that sorrow. They don't know where to move it. So they see somebody like me and they're like, you're going to get it. And how do I know that? Because I've been in similar places in my life, maybe around the age of 20, 21. I've been in those similar um, spaces, even maybe up to the age of 23. I've been in those spaces. So I recognize the sorrow. I recognize that behavior. I recognize that depression. And that's what I'm saying that your, your hatred of me is not going to heal that thing that you're going through there has to be support other than you trying to come for me you're going to have to go and acknowledge that grief that is holding you and holding you so rigidly acknowledge that grief even if it's something that we can never alleviate or cure ourselves of but there is a definite conversation about where do we take that grief so we're not disproportionately putting it onto other people and claiming that there is a justification for that because there is truly no justification for the way that a lot of you try to move at me online and when I, I tweeted back at the guy and I'm like Yes. Amazing point. Tel Aviv workshop. What year was that? And what have I discussed about it since? Since you know everything. Silence. But I know that you're screenshotting and sharing with your friends to come and support you because all of you are pricks by yourselves. And that's why you need to go and group up because I'm seeing the likes going up on your on your tweet that was meant to be Saki. But again, you are all going to see me at some point because we apparently have mutuals who can't cut you off even when you're vile. So I guess I'm going to see you at some point. And at that point, I would love for you to repeat all of this behavior. I find it like I'm always saying it's very wild. It's very, very wild. And talking of people who need to, you know, repeat what they've said because of nasty behavior, we come back again to this foolish, foolish little garden gnome that can't seem to keep my business and keep my name out of their mouth. But the thing is, you and your your little booty shorts that when I saw you and your long socks, when I saw you at the MS Christmas party, the VIP Christmas party for MS. You didn't have the energy for me then. Why didn't you come and tell me your robust critique when you saw me in my face then? Why? Is it because there's a glass cup in my hand? Don't worry about that. I wouldn't be so stupid. But this tongue of mine, it's very flamey. Why didn't you say something then? But you're scuttling around the room and I'm standing right there, fam. Right there. Say something then. But a lot of you don't actually want to exist in the physical world. You only save all of your vim for online. And even online, I'll pattern you. Online, I will body you. But my God, in real life, you know that none of you can go to toe-to-toe with me. And that's why you've got to save it for your virtual spaces. Because it's the only space that you can feel like you're somebody. It's the only space that you can feel like you matter. And the only way you can matter is to try to talk shit about me. So this garden gnome, this clapped bombastity says here... Um, the inclusion conversation, re black to front, stands when you're talking about diversity, e.g. sexuality and disability. What it doesn't stand when we're talking about misogynoir. Okay, I'll get to that shortly. 
It doesn't stand when you're saying this individual I like should have been there. It was 24 hours of programming. Who should have been kicked off for them? And again, everybody who liked that will find themselves blocked because of why? Mega block. In fact, mega block need to sponsor this podcast. Everybody was blocked. I don't care. Everybody was blocked. I just put in the URL and block. He was, well, I've blocked him from ages ago anyway. Like you, like we need to have a talk about certain black men who, um, love and are in relationships with other men and how they feel like they can speak upon black women's business and speak about black women and for it to not be critiqued because oh no they're gay we can't talk about that I honor your sexuality I honor that that divinity I honor that I honor your choices I honor I honor your life I honor all of that and I want I say choices but I mean choices in terms of like I can do this and I can be in these spaces and I can speak about these things but what you can't speak about is me and to claim that, yeah, we should have conversations, are, um, e.g. sexuality and disability. Yes, of course, we should be having those conversations, but we should also be talking about misogynoir. So don't try to move it out of the conversation because you feel like you're in a perfect position to do that because of where you stand in the space and the community, the LGBT, um, LGBTQ plus community, community, you don't have the right to do that. And why is it misogynoir? It's misogynoir because only a type of black woman is allowed to be in those spaces, a type of black woman that they know that maybe that they wouldn't rock the boat too much. And that is not a disrespect to the black women who were there. There are black women who I love who were involved in that. Didn't speak up, but I love them all the same. They were there, you know, they're doing their thing. It's not about that. It's about the the energy that they know that I'll bring and I'll call people out whenever I feel like it needs to be done. So white women, you can have white women in, um, you know, public spheres, you know, um, public facing kind of um, roles or whatever, whatever, in terms of social media and in the broadcasting and everything. You can have white women who aren't likable. You can have all of that. You can and they're still allowed to be where they are. And in fact, it's part of their selling, selling point. Katie, Hops, Katie Hopkins isn't likable, but she's got a massive platform. Katie Hopkins is bad vibes, but she's got a massive platform and people keep inviting her onto shows, right? Now, I'm not saying I should be invited in the way that Katie Hopkins is because we know that she's there to support white supremacist patriarchal ideology. What I'm saying by that is that white women are allowed to exist in these public spaces and have um, a myriad of different eccentricities, sensibilities and personalities and belief systems, all of that. They're allowed to be in these spaces. But when it comes to black womanhood, we can only have the likable ones. So you have to ask yourself, who gave you the terminology about likability and who told you that it was a prerequisite to having the things that you deserve? Because a lot of you are lying and you can't realise that you're telling on yourselves that you're not even good liars. Like, I can see through the lies. You're not a beautiful liar like Shakira and Beyonce said. You're not. You're not. And so this particular garden gnome, this little dickhead, needs to keep my name and anything to do with me out of his mouth because this is not the first or last time that you're going to see me in a public space again. And all of you of the same age range forget that I'm not your age mate. I'm not your age mate. I'm not your spirit mate. I'm not none of that. So, and you know that because when you see me in person, you quieten down. Focus on being ferociously clapped and leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Reducing what was happening to a case of, oh, that person should have got it because, you know, I like them is a lie and you know it. Because when you were getting batted up at Cambridge University, it was black women like myself that were tweeting up flames, tweeting up fire to support you, following you and supporting you. And that is what got you to the position that you are in now. But like the bad vibes, nasty, soulless piece of shit that you are, 
You've now found yourself in a position that you think that nobody can knock you down from and you're targeting people like me. The same power that I use within myself and the collective power that we use as black women to get you into certain spaces and to elevate you is now the power that you're trying to turn against me. Thunder fire you there, you dickhead. Thunder fire you there you and your friends, anybody that supports you, anyone that wants to sit on the fence and act like they don't see this, thunder fire all of you. I only wish destruction over all of your lives and you'll never see great things. And I need you to mark it on a bumper clock wall that three years from now, three years from today, I want you to look at where I'll be in life. God blessing me with a long life, me and my family and my loved ones. Look at where I'm going to be in this kind of like social landscape. You're going to be sick. You're going to throw up all over yourself. You will not be able to believe where I've got to. And why it's going to hurt you so much is because you're going to see all the baby girls, baby boys and baby non-binaries that I am putting on. And I am helping in every which way. My children's home in Nigeria will be established. Everything's going to be set good. I'm just going to be doing the things. I would have made my documentary about house girls in Nigeria. I would have done all of my things. And you're just going to be there, what? Being a salty dickhead. Sitting there, still trying to write up threads and do up threads when really the thing that's your driving force is your hatred and your deep, deep misogynoir that you keep cloaking and it's thinly veiled and everybody lets you get away with shit because you're coming at the people that you find that there are groups of people who also agree with you that we don't like that person. None of you are bad enough for me. None of you. None of you. If you're bad, you have to be capable of beating the baddest and none of you are bad enough. Just remember that dickheads. Disgusting. And I, but I love that people were saying like, no, really say what it is. And I had to even block certain people, like certain of certain ones of you, man, that wanted to start podcasts with me and that we're going back and forth, trying to sort things. I've been on your shows that you've, when you've been using my name and things like that to elevate your social currency on the, on, in the online space. And I've supported you with that because I thought that you were good vibes as a man, only for you to be tweeting. Oh, it's funny to watch, it's, um, you know, it's funny to watch everyone tweeting in code about this situation instead of just saying names it's entertaining you find people coming at me mad entertaining but when you need something from me you know how to dm me i mean let's really talk about the dms let's really talk about the number of people who were in my dm seething that they didn't have an opportunity on this day as well seething that they didn't have an opportunity but they were going back online doing up oh this is such a fantastic day this is really wonderful and and skirting around oh while I do think that certain things should have been involved in certain people I just feel like they didn't even say that much I'm even giving them too much credit they were so fucking vague but everybody's got a reason for why they were so vague but the number of people that were in my dms it's not proportional to, proportionate to the number of people that I saw tweeting any sort of thing, any sort of sentiment that looked like what I was saying. And that isn't, isn't that interesting that you're all happy for me to be the, the bad guy. You're all happy for people to believe that I'm the only one who feels this way because, oh, I dared to say something about it publicly, not taking away yet again from the wonderful people who got to be platformed and who got to share their brilliance. If it had not been for Kevin Morosky, big up yourself, my Virgo King, my baby boy for life. If it had not been for Kevin Morosky saying that he wanted me in the direct line advert, I don't speak. I just show up for a second at that. 
if it had not been him including me in this podcast element with Fane Tola, a baby boy, then I wouldn't have been seen at all. And while some of you think that's okay because other people weren't seen, that's fine. They can speak up for themselves. I'm speaking about me. And in fact, if more of us spoke up about the fact that we should have also been platformed, that would force Channel 4 to have a longer day, to not even just have a day, like just involve us with more frequency on the day to day. Because you did that whole day of that. And then the next day it went back to the normal, regular programming. That can't wash. That's not okay. That's not okay. You've shown that it's possible and nobody's asking you to do anything to those extremes again, but you've shown that it's possible. You've shown that you can commit, um, you can commission pilots. You've shown that you can do all of that. So why don't you just do it constantly? Because we all deserve And so when you talk about who should have been kicked off, I didn't want anyone to be kicked off. My whole point was this should have been done in a way that involved more people. And I don't know logistically what that would have looked like, but it should have been done. And people are acting like I'm saying the wildest things. So you lot stay there with your mutuals. I always say it like, if you feel like you can sit on the fence when you're seeing this specific thing happen, then do that. But what I've come to understand is that my greatness far exceeds any sort of human understanding. And I'll continue to say that I don't care if you find it arrogant because you're not used to black women saying the truth about themselves. My divinity far exceeds human understanding. And I will stand by that. And I know the divinity of so many other people far exceeds human understanding. But the unfortunate thing is it even like surpasses the individual's own understanding and so they try to quell it to fit in with everybody else and they want me to shut up because they don't want to be reminded of that and this is why I'm saying that so many people are holding on to grief they are depressed they are feeling all of these things because they do not want to say the truth about what they need to say and that is that this society is trying to kill us and even maybe when we say it the grief and the depression still stays with us but we find a way to move and live with it but at least we're speaking our truth to power. I've written so many things expressing how I felt about um, when I was younger, whether it's um, suicide, whether it's, um, although I don't like that term, but you know, um, mental health. I've spoken about all of these things, but people who don't engage with my work and want to have an intentional reductive um, perception of me will pretend like they don't know all of these things and they'll try to flatten my identity. You can't flatten me. You can't fit me in a box. And that's why you're also vexed because any box you try to put me in, I jump out of and I'm like, no, actually I can do whatever I want. And I want that for more people. I'm not saying that this just has to be for me. I'm saying that you can have it too, but I don't know why you don't want it for yourself. And that's really sad. I don't know why you don't want it for yourself. So to keep coming at me, moving mad with me and mutuals watching and being like, oh, well, you know, she'll be fine there. It's when people like me die. It's when women specifically, black women like me die, that then suddenly everybody wants to bring out their flowers. Suddenly everyone wants to be like, oh, you know, she did make some points and she did do this and she did do that. And that's when you're able to speak because a lot of you are scared of death. And so that's what truly humbles you because when that happens to a black woman, you're like, oh, I need to say good things because rare, 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 rare. And then you're actually able to see what they've contributed. So many of the black women that we reference now died broke, destitute, hungry, un, uh, you know, unrecognized. 
And it's only posthumously that people are publishing their books, that they're talking about them, that they're making films about them. I'm sorry, but that's not going to be my destiny. You will celebrate me while I'm living and breathing. And I pray that for so many of you too, not the bad vibes one. I don't want any sort of longevity for you. People like you, energies like yours need to go straight away as far as I'm concerned. And I tell my angels that all of the time. The flamey swords need to be finding you. Everyone move. Everyone move. Those energetic swords that will just be clearing you out of my path, that's what I want. Go, go away. Go away and go and have your conversations elsewhere. Because a lot of you aren't likable. A lot of you are extremely bad vibes, yet you still continue to do your things. Why does that have to be any different from me? I'm not even denying that I'm bad vibes. I'm not even denying that I'm not likable. I'm not arguing with you on that. But I love that upon all of you saying that, none of you, none of you dare to deny that the talent. And isn't that interesting that upon all the hateration, even in your hatred, you cannot lie when it comes to the talent. It's incredible. It's incredible. Multifaceted baby girl of life. It's incredible. And whether you like it or not, I pray for a long life, great health. I will chop life. I will chop life and I'll make sure that as many people as possible can also chop life with me as we even out what the fuck this is and we help the people so many people choose not to help and use and step on in order to elevate themselves. Things are going to change one way or another. So some of you little dickheads that are tweeting about, oh well, I always knew that that one, one's activism would show herself as self-serving. I never told you I was an activist. And why shouldn't I serve myself? Do I not need to serve myself before I serve anybody else? You all just like to create realities that don't exist um, in order to um, have beliefs and make yourself feel better about things that shouldn't involve me. But it's fine. It is what it is. But I definitely wanted to make sure that I said all of these things. And I said some of the names that I saw, I didn't see all of the names because I know that there were quite a few mad people. But you're not going to dim my light because I didn't do anything to your friends. I'm happy for your friends that were platformed. I'm happy for the people that were behind the scenes, all of that. I was speaking about the institution and you all jumped up to be like, oh no, you can't say that. Not on this day. You're diverting the conversation, put up and shut up and all of that. It's your mum that was putting up and shutting up and I'm not your mother. So I'm not going to put up and shut up. Okay. So you, there's, that's that for you. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just feel like everything that needed to be said, um, has truly been said. Mega block is amazing. I'll continue to use it. If you find yourself that you're blocked, go with it. Go with God. Leave me alone. Or go with Lucifer because that seems to be your ruling father. But leave me out of it. I'm just going to continue as is. Um, And eventually when you see me get my things, don't be surprised. And I told you three years from now, baby, three years from now. Ha, my God. I don't even have the words. That's not to say that it won't happen for three years. I'm saying that when you look at where I am now, recording this podcast in a random hotel room in Rotterdam to where I'll be in three years, you will know that God exists. And on that note, I've been Kalechi Okafor. This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. Send your letters to sym at kalechiokafo.com and you can follow me on kalechnikoff or at sayyourmindpod and you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash kalechiokafo and um, I guess that's it. Anyway, see you on the flip side. Peace. 
It's the Vince Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this so Sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea We are gonna sip it, yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Collect you fine, and she's one of a kind Don't say you're mine, say you're mine 